You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Brooks Childress with me. For the full three hours for Cam, the first two hours for Brooks, as he'll have to get out to Borgard High School for the regular season finale of the Borgard Hornets as they take on Lincoln in senior night. And so we will have uh, Brooks out there doing that for the six, uh, 6 o'clock hour, getting out there. So he'll be with us for two hours today. On the show, we will have uh, a lot of college football talk, as we do each and every Friday as we will, of course, be talking some Auburn and Vanderbilt as the Tigers get set for a date with the Commodores inside of First Bank Stadium as a very small capacity crowd for that one. Uh, just 28,000 the new capacity at Bandy while they do the construction. So that's going to be some very uh, memorable scenes, I'm sure, for those that see it on TV. So we'll, of course, preview that one. Also preview again the weekend at large in college football as it's going to be a good one. Five ranked matchups. you got some SEC games of high importance, some other interesting stuff going on in the league. Even a couple teams that I'll tell you, top 25 teams going on the road to unranked teams uh, might even present a problem or two. So I think there's a lot of games and situations worth talking about here on the show today in the college football world. If we have time, we did not get to the conclusion of the World Series yesterday, so if we have any time today, we will today. If not, we will get to a, a baseball free agency preview of some sorts next week along with the basketball season preview. So a lot going on here. Again, we'll keep it mostly college football, though, on this Friday of the show and about 24 hours from kickoff between Auburn and Vanderbilt. So getting excited for another important game for the Auburn Tigers. Again, of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan Brooks and Cam with you here on this Friday edition of the program. We'll start with you, Cam. How are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing well. It's a Friday, and Fridays are always fantastic. Uh, just uh, ready to talk a lot of college football and um, – just excited for a good weekend actually i'm going i last second am going home so i'm going back to atlanta uh, i'm actually going to go see taylor heineke uh play some football so uh very excited about that considering you know he's he's from my hometown and and ready to or just actually went to my high school uh, not just from my hometown went to my high school 
um, held records and all types of different things in Gwinnett, and and so really excited to see see him play uh, for the right team this time. I've seen Taylor play before, but he was on the Commanders. I actually went with Javon, and we went we went to to the game, and. Uh, uh, the commanders ended up uh, beating us, and Taylor had a had a really really good game. Um, so happy for him. Sad that the the Falcons ended up losing, but yeah. So really excited to be able to see Taylor play, get his first uh, first start with the Falcons, and and see how he does, and and hopefully uh, hopefully he does well, uh, and and you know uh, the Falcons can get their quarterback situation figured out at least through the end of this season. But yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, ready to talk about all things with you guys. And then Brooks Childress on the show for the first two hours today. Brooks, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, it is a beautiful Friday outside. Uh, we got, like you mentioned, we got a big weekend of college football ahead of us, uh, and it, it's going to be so fun to to be able to uh, to take in all that. And then uh, got a got a wonderful weekend of NFL football again this weekend. And as you mentioned, I'm I'm headed out to Beauregard High School as the regular season wraps up tonight across the AHSAA. Uh, Beauregard taking on Lincoln. Uh, people aren't familiar Lincoln from around the Talladega area, from Lincoln, Alabama, actually, where the the city actually where Talladega Super Speedway is uh, up there, just a little bit north of, of where we are. But uh, should be a fun game out there. I'll, I'll be out there with the uh, the Beauregard guys uh, for the evening, uh, and of course we'll have Smith Station against Auburn High over on our sister station FM Talk ninety three point nine. So uh, it's going to be a fun Friday night of some high school football around the area, and can't wait to get out there, and can't wait to talk for two hours on the show. Show as uh, as long as I'm permitted to. Yeah. Well, let me just turn that mic off right well, thank now. Thank you. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. No. It's uh, it's it's at the end of the regular season already for high school football. So that will be our last Smith Station football broadcast of the year. Again, Brant Daughtry on the call for the Panthers all season long. Uh, of course, we will. Good opportunity to remind you. We will have high school basketball both here on Tiger ninety five point nine and on FM Talk ninety three point nine Borgard and Smith Station respectively. Uh, then those seasons start, uh, those teams start playing early this month. Our first broadcast will be second half of the month for both those schools, but we're excited to get back out there for high school basketball. So one season ends, another begins, and so we'll be right back at it there. And then to go ahead and tell you that our college football game of the week on FM Talk 93.9 is one of the games we'll talk a little bit about later in the show, and that's Bedlam, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, a top 25 matchup and a big one in terms of uh, figuring out who's going to end up in the Big 12 championship game. So we'll talk about that one later. That's a 2.30 game, and that can be heard on FM Talk 93.9. Uh, and also, Cam wanted to say, too, uh, that's exciting to go to the Falcons game. I hope you, that's a good time uh, this Sunday yeah. for you. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm excited. Haven't been to a game this season. Sure, yet. yeah. And uh, Minnesota will have a, a different quarterback situation, so hopefully Atlanta can get a dub there. Hopefully. Uh, so let's let's get going here on this on this Friday. And let's start by talking Auburn Vandy. Of all the games we previewed in the Power Five, and maybe to some degree the entirety of the season thus far, because the two non-Power Five games let it off, feels like we previewed this one the least a little bit. And that probably has a lot to do with Vanderbilt. It also has a lot to do with just how much is going on in the sports world and getting Auburn basketball set to be underway. We had our, our chat with Bruce Pearl earlier in the week. If you missed that, you go check it out in the Sports Call podcast which is presented by Coca-Cola, but we've just been kind of starting to branch out as needed to some other things. So we've not had as much Vandy preview this week. And we, we got into it a little bit at the end yesterday. But 
this is a game just what's at stake for Auburn is obviously they win, get to win number five. You think for all the world they'll beat New Mexico State. So they're one more power five win away from locking up a bowl game, which, again, I know that that is not the overall goal in year two, year three, year four, et cetera. But uh, year one coming off a team that did not make a bowl game, it's the first step in the right direction. So still want to see that happen. So as for this game, Auburn going to Vanderbilt, we know some of the weird oddities that Vanderbilt football has. We know that, again, it's a 28,000-seat venue because of the construction, which is actively going on in the end zone. Uh, Brooks and I are headed to that game tomorrow in Nashville. Oh, that'll be fun. We are covering the game. Yes, sir, we are covering the game. And the even the route to get to the field is uh, precarious as we will go into the basketball arena first and then go over into the football game. We got that info yesterday. Dude. So, yeah. So the cons- I, Yeah. <laughs> I just had – like, I thought about going – actually, uh, Van will be up there at, at the game okay. with his girlfriend. Uh, they went to the game or will be going to the game. And I just – I wanted to. I thought about it. And I was like, ah. It just the construction just doesn't sound like fun to me. I just I just don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, well, maybe maybe when Auburn ends up going back or just a different opportunity to go to that stadium when we can see it in its full beauty. And, and didn't Clark Lee say that this was supposed to be the last construction game? Uh, yeah, so, that was that was said earlier this week that because they should have it done by next football season. Yeah, and this is their okay. last home game. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They that got is... a couple on the road. They, they've not had their bye yet. They've played nine, so they've got two okay. to end the gotcha, season. Gotcha, right. gotcha. I think it's senior day, and it's reunion day yeah. up there, oh, too. Yeah. Like they're, they're and it's throwing, homecoming. Yep, yeah, and it's homecoming. homecoming. So three, yeah. three different days are going on at the same time at, uh, at Vanderbilt this weekend. Had to, had to jam them all in there. They so have so much to play for. This is a trap game. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, the semantics of it are, are interesting because, again, there's, there's a lot going on. A lot going on there. But, again – Oh, well, and on top of those construction items, too, again, the 28,000-seat capacity there, be interesting to see the actual split because I know that – and I'm not saying this about Auburn fans. I think this goes for college because college venues are so large. To say, oh, they're going to have half the stadium, so you're going to have 50,000 road fans or 40,000 road fans in certain venues is like, well – just the numbers don't always add up there. You you can have a very real presence, but that's still going to be ten to fifteen thousand people. Well, ten to fifteen thousand people is half of this stadium, and obviously there's a, a nice fan base of Auburn people all across the South, but in Nashville's no different. So you tell me, hey, Auburn has ten thousand people to a road game at an LSU or something. Okay, well that's ten percent of that stadium. <laughs> out of a hundred thousand people, but if they have ten to twelve thousand people at Vandy, that's nearly half of the capacity. So I'll be very intrigued to see if that actually, if they actually go fifty-fifty or more. Although you said there are a lot of reasons for Vandy people to show up, it is their last home game. So you would think that if they have any fleeting thought, that would be the time to do it. The other interesting thing too is, and again, the history is so skewed to the nineteen twenties, thirties, forties, etc. This series is actually tied. Historically, I don't know if people realize that Auburn went on about a 21, thirteen. Twenty-one and one. Yeah, twenty-one, twenty-one and one. Uh, they went on a long streak. Auburn did from the the eighties, nineties on. Won about thirteen in a row to even it up, and then obviously Vandy's won two of the last three because of the last two trips in Nashville back in 08 and twelve. 
but there was a long stretch in the first half of the 20th century where Vandy was shutting out Auburn on almost a normal, uh, a regular basis. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, and the wild stuff to think about indeed. So uh, this would actually, the winner of this will break that tie. And, and and hopefully it will be Auburn and they'll go on and, and extend away from that tie as years go on. But anyway, so there's some weird stuff about this game. That no being said, pressure. does that mean this ends up being a weird game on the field? Uh, probably, right? I, I I bet it probably ends up being a weird game. If Auburn does go, go out and, and dominate and, and play a really strong game, I think we'd all be very happy just – uh, the the opportunity for the offense to continue to build on what they did against Mississippi State, maybe see Peyton Thorne really throw the ball, see what see see the consistency in the quarterback position. I mean, that's just going to be the talk as long as long as it's a thing. I mean, for as long as it's been, you know, I, I um, so and I think Mississippi State was a good step in the right direction. So I, I wonder. Uh, how that's going to go and how that's going to play out uh, if we see any of Robbie uh, or if they're just going to let Peyton Thorne run it like they did against Mississippi State and really just sling it. And, I mean, he proved that he was capable of doing so, and it's not like this Vanderbilt defense is much better, if at all better, than Mississippi State's. So uh, you really stand a chance here to, to, again, continue to build upon what you had last week uh, and and just – yeah, just just do what you can and, and hopefully dominate. But yeah, it, it could still certainly be a weird one. You got the bugaboo of not lo- of trying not to lose three in a row uh, at Vanderbilt, uh, but it seems like Hugh Freeze is very aware, probably very aware of that, but also very aware just of the potential of, of a trap game and where it's like, well, you know, they're Vanderbilt. Yes, they haven't been playing great. They they're not you know usually good, bottom tier in the SEC, but. They're still going to defend home home turf, and it, it still has potential to be a trap game. And, and he knows that not everything is hitting 100% perfect with the offense uh, as of right now. So uh, he can't he doesn't want to count his chickens before they hatch. And you know, with this, I mean, again, the oddities about the 08-12 situation were that was also the final season of those. Uh, respective head coaches for Auburn, 08 for Tuberville, 12 for Chiswick. This is year one for Freeze, so that will not be the end. So maybe those are some of the uh, some of the links that will be broken there in, in terms of that. But, you know, they we went into a little bit yesterday. They have played some teams close for segments of games. But ultimately this is a 2-7 and seven team. Ultimately they are winless in the SEC, they are winless in Power Five. Their two wins, you know, they lost a close UNLV game. Their two wins were the first two games of the year against Hawaii and I, like Alabama A and M or, or, or someone like that. And, and so, again, this team has not had results. So, with that in mind, same kind of question to you, Brooks. I know the team acumen has not been there for Vandy, but again, there are some weird things that happen in Nashville. Weird things that are happening in Nashville. So. How worried are you about a kind of weird – and I know Auburn's not been consistent, but still an un-Auburn-like game up there. Um, Slightly. I think that if if Swan was out there at the quarterback position, 
it's uh, I think that you're you know you prepare you look at the film all year and prepare uh, and I know yesterday on the program I said that it, it may play in Auburn's hands to have the two quarterback system going with Vanderbilt uh, because it, it you're coming into it halfway through the year uh, and really haven't had much time to practice the system and everything uh, but on the you know uh, I'll, uh, I said that yesterday I'll, I'll take the other side of it today um, you you're, you may not be you know, fully if on Auburn's side, you may not be fully prepared for what they're what each quarterback's going to throw at you, and it, it could get to you know it, it could get to where uh, the the Vanderbilt offense is able to do a couple things that you weren't expecting them to do because Swan was not able to do it himself. Uh, maybe one of these other two quarterbacks is able to do something weird and funky, and and that could get Auburn's defense kind of kind of thrown uh, thrown for a loop for for a little bit. So I think that there's a possibility it could get weird. Um, if it was, I'll tell you what. If it's 11 a.m. kickoff at Vanderbilt, I'd, I'd be all in on the on the weird train. But I, I think that if uh, I, I think that it, it could get a little bit weird. I I do you know I, I think coming out of last week's um, win at Mississippi State, I know you had wins in the pre in the earlier part of the season. Uh, the you you know UMass and and Cal and that Samford game were were good uh, and, and it was. You know, you came out of those, and you're like, "All right, we got wins." This one felt a little different. Like the, there wasn't a lot of uh, it, it was. You know, there were still some uh, complaints about you know some some of the performances in that game against Mississippi State, but you didn't feel really good coming off of that Cal win. Your the UMass and Sanford games, you're like, "All right, we were expected to do that." The Mississippi State win, uh, it feels like around the fan base at least, it was a little bit more of like a ah, that's act, that's what we've been looking for. That's the type of you know game we've been looking for. And so it, 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 I'm sure that permeated into the locker room as well. It, I mean, we were in the in the press conference room. That's the loudest we've heard that uh, that music all year coming from the the home locker room next door to the the press conference room at Jordanair Stadium. Uh, they were fired up last week, so I think that's got a chance to carry over this week into a, a, a team against uh, like Vanderbilt. That that is, you know, like you said, two wins in the year. Neither of them are Power Five. Zero and five in the SEC right now. And it, it's 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 a really good chance for for the Sovereign team to go in, build a win streak, get two games, uh, a two game win streak in the SEC, set yourself up for a, a tough road test uh, next week at Arkansas, and try to get to that that sixth and seventh win here down uh, as we hit the stretch. All right, let's head to our first timeout of the show. A little bit later, we will go through some of the individuals for Auburn that we want to see step up and how we want to see them play against Vandy. And, uh, of course, a little bit later we'll get into some predictions of the game and some analysis of the other matchups taking place in college football this weekend. But when we come back, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Another beautiful day here on the Plains. Uh, beautiful temperatures. I think everyone can deal with about 70, 68, 70. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's actually going to get warmer again, though, the next few days. So I, I don't know how you feel about that, but certainly beautiful weather here in this fall and get the time changing again on Sunday and uh, you're right dab in the middle of it right now. Getting, getting to the holiday season for sure. Three, three, four, eight, eight, seven, three, four, zero, one locally or toll free one, triple eight, nine tiger nine to join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line today. We go there for the first time this afternoon. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that we're going to be playing Vanderbilt this weekend. So I'm just going to, uh, say what uh, what will be y'all's take on Auburn's offense uh, starting out for uh, tomorrow's game? Do you think that Peyton Thornton would uh, will he throw like a good pass, or will he have a good game this weekend, or will it just be like the same Peyton Thornton that we've seen in the beginning of the middle of the season in Auburn? Yeah, I think that Peyton Thorn will. Uh, I think they'll come out pretty aggressive with him. I think they're going to look to get him in a similar rhythm that they, they got in in the, the Mississippi State game. I don't see why not. Uh, and I think that he's got another good opportunity to play well. Again, Vandy is just not going to measure up to many SEC teams. Uh, and I know that they've at times been okay, but I would be disappointed if there was an, another regression there. I think that Thorne has gained some confidence. I think he's going to be in there for the entirety of these drives, and I do think they'll be able to make some plays again. I think there is a – a real ceiling on on what the overall numbers will be. I still don't think you're going to see 350 passing or anything like that, but I I do expect another 200 yard game uh, with with a touchdown or two. Yeah, it's because I was looking at like how they compare Peyton Thornton to some other Auburn players that played before he uh, actually got his start at Auburn. Um, I don't know the the other players that played at Auburn. I know one in particular that I can compare Peyton Thornton to would be um, Cam Newton and Nick Marshall. Those are the only two quarterbacks that I've known that came to mind when we played against Zanville as well. Yeah, you know, those are certainly two quarterbacks that played at Auburn, but they had a a lot more success, and uh, they played the game a little different way there, and uh, I I don't know if I would compare Thorne to to either of those guys, uh, but I think that Thorne is trying to carve out more of a passing role here in the in the last week, and I, mm. I think that he has clearly put himself above Robbie Ashford in this offense, and hopefully he can continue to play better and, and play the way he did against Mississippi State and, and, and get more production out of him. But, uh, but, yeah, I would not be making too many comparisons with, with other guys. Yes, that's all because I'm I'm actually looking at Peyton Thornton because I know he's a transfer from Miss, uh, from Michigan State. So I'm just gonna throw this out here. I'm gonna roll down the dice on this one. But do you think that Peyton Thornton might stay for 2024, 2025 season, or do you think that Peyton Thornton might go back into the transfer portal and Hugh Freeze will actually pick somebody else? Uh, along the lines before the uh, college football season ends this year? Yeah, that's a good question, James. I think that it will take Peyton Thorne to continue to play progressively better the rest of the season for uh, Auburn to want him back next year. 
I, I think if it's the guy we saw against Mississippi State for the next four games, including and most importantly the Iron Bowl, then I do uh-huh. think there's a shot he'll be back, absolutely. But if he were to revert back into the first half of the season and, and look with a lack of confidence and turn the ball over and make poor RPO reads and, and just not be able to score points, then I don't think there'll be a lot, lot of interest there uh, in, in him returning for another year. I, you know, Again, I don't know what it would be on his end, but I, I would imagine it would be the same thing because I'm sure that he – uh, was not maybe thrilled with the way that they were handling the quarterback situation early in the year. Again, he's got to give them a reason to change it, but I think we all would have rather seen one guy kind of stick it out a little bit longer. Uh, so maybe he would want to go somewhere else too, but he would have one more year of eligibility. So uh, we'll see how these last four games go. Yes, as well, because when we play, our next game would be Arkansas and uh, New Mexico State and then Alabama. Um, when we, I'm looking at the Auburn-Alabama uh, Iron Bowl because I know Peyton Thornton. I know he's from another uh, college division, so I'm not quite sure if Peyton Thornton knows the history of the Iron Bowl. So this would be his time to, like, you know, sit, you know, sit down and, and you know, like, look at uh, videos of, of the of the Auburn-Alabama library. Iron Bowl, like the like the history of the Iron Bowl, and and actually getting to see, you know, some of the some of the classic games as well. You know, like study some of the classic games on like YouTube or or something like that. You know, like look at high, highlights from years past as well, and he can actually like pinpoint, you know, what he needs to focus on or work on as well to be a great quarterback because this is a a true true uh iron bowl hard hard iron bowl this year and i know this one is really going to be tough on peyton thornton as well yeah i I know he's not from this area but i'm sure he's certainly aware of the iron bowl the iron bowl is a national rivalry not just regional and and I, I think that he's probably been well-versed in his time at Auburn of how that game means. I think he can understand it from the fan base, from the other players and coaches. So I, I think he's absolutely going to understand what that game means. Yeah, it's because when when, when, the, when any quarterback plays from another school to come to Auburn, I mean, some of the rivalries, they might have you know seen them, you know, their grandparents might might uh played at Auburn or any other schools and you know they might you know have you know ties to like the history of these rivalries as well like Michigan and Michigan State because I know Peyton Thornton he played in that game that's where I actually saw on national TV that's when I actually first discovered Peyton Thornton when he played at the University of Michigan State as well. Yeah, and uh, again, he did have some success there for sure. First year better than the second, but yeah, he was a pretty prominent there for a little while. And uh, yeah, Michigan State had a really good team his first year starter. Yes, as well because I'm actually looking at Michigan State uh, game because I'm thinking they might look like a bowl like a bowl team, but I'm not quite sure on their records. So I'm just going to see how they're going to do this weekend. And I'm going to be looking at Michigan State more because of the allegations with Jim Harbaugh and the sign stealing. So that's been, you know, spreading around like wildfire through the, through you know, through you know the the social uh, sports world as well. So I'm just going to see what uh, Michigan 
uh, is actually going to do with the allegations of Jim Harbaugh as well. Because I think, you know, when I first heard this story coming out about Jim Harbaugh doing sign stealing, I mean, I, I could actually say that that was wrong. That was the wrong terminology for Jim Harbaugh to, to steal other to steal other school signs and use them against their uh, opponent uh, teams as well. So I think that should not be you know a big deal as well. Uh well, uh, it is a big deal to the teams that were cheated against there, and and there's going to be again. There's already been an investigation. There will continue to be an investigation, and I think Michigan mm-hmm. will be uh, penalized pretty greatly, including Jim Harbaugh. It's Connor Stallions, the staffer that uh, mm-hmm. was kind of involved with the majority of this. But but if you're the head coach, you either know about it or you should know about it. So uh, there, there's going to be some penalties there for sure. I think it's going to take some time, unless the Big Ten were to were to magically step in, which they do have the power to do, but it does not look like they're going to do. But, uh, yeah, Michigan's definitely in hot water over this. Yes, they they are actually in hot water. But do you think that the NCAA will step in because they're like the higher the higher uh, status over all college football athletics? Do you think that the NCAA would step in and look at it from their uh, perspective as what as to what they're going to do to Jim Harbaugh as well. Do you think he's going to be um, penalized for it? Do you think he's going to be fired from his job? Or do you think they're going to need another uh, interim head coach to step in as uh, Jim Harbaugh steps away for a few uh, months at a time as well? I certainly think the NCAA will step in. They are usually not very timely in that. It takes a long uh, it's usually a long process for them, so it may not be in the coming weeks or even months. But, yes, I think the NCAA will absolutely get involved. There will be penalties. I'm honestly not sure because this is this is a very rare occurrence. This is a pretty, uh, a pretty serious uh, problem here with Michigan, so I'm not sure how, how strict the penalties will be. I do think they will be pretty severe. Uh, and as for Jim Harbaugh, I, I think that he will probably be looking for an NFL job anyway to kind of get out of Dodge before the penalties are handed down. So I, I think Harbaugh will probably end up in the NFL either way. Yes, because I've been uh, reading a lot of comments on my Twitter page and a lot of other uh, college football fans, they were saying, do you think that Jim Harbaugh would look good in the NFL? And I was just trying to say, I mean, with his brother in the NFL, uh, you know, that's coaching the Baltimore Ravens, I'll have to say that would be a no for me because, I mean, that that would be in other people's uh, opinions of seeing Jim Harbaugh in the NFL, uh, being the head coach in the NFL, but I just have to say no on that one as well. Well, and do recall Jim Harbaugh has already coached the NFL. He was the San Francisco 49ers head coach that – led them to a Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens in the early 2010s. So he has NFL head coaching experience. He did a pretty good job there. So I think it's about what job would give him that opportunity. Okay. Well, um, I'll just have to say on that one, I'll just have to see if, you know, if that would be his uh, terminology of using his uh, coaching experience going back to the NFL. Um, I'll probably see him uh, actually going towards 
playing, like actually going towards coaching for the Las Vegas Raiders as well, because I know the Las Vegas Raiders do need a head coach as well. So I think that would be a really good fit for uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh to actually uh, go to the Las Vegas Raiders and actually make the Las Vegas Raiders a Super Bowl uh, contender as well. Yeah, uh, that that's entirely possible. Again, that is, as you said, that is already a job that's open. I'm sure there'll be another handful or two more by, by the end of the season, but uh, mm-hmm. that, that that could make sense. I know Mark Davis and that Davis family has always kind of swung big, and Harbaugh is a big name, so I you know that, that could end up working. Yes, as well. And then with the big game that I saw reactions between Auburn, Auburn University and uh, AUM, that was a really good game. I'm I'm pretty sure that this that these that this school would be on Auburn on our radar sometime in the near future for uh, Bruce Pearl. I probably would like to see Auburn University and Auburn University of Montgomery actually play a game in Neville Arena sometime real soon because I know um, Auburn University of Montgomery. Um, I mean, they're really doing a really good job there in Montgomery. Uh, they just started their season, so I'm just going to see how how their head coach uh, actually starts their season sometime real soon. And, you know, I, I just have to see that this was um, something that Auburn fans would love to see sometime real soon when this when this team comes up on our schedule in the near future as well. Yeah, again, with them uh, not being in Division One, hard to imagine a regular season game there. But uh, as we just saw a couple nights ago, an exhibition game is always possible, and they could end up doing that more in the future. Yes, as well, because with these Division One uh, college schools like AUM and many other Division One schools, I think they should do more uh, more games like that. And, you know, seeing some of these games actually played at Auburn or Alabama or Georgia, just to name a few universities off that list, I think, you know, with college football being back in, in, in the swing of things, I think that I would probably see how Bruce Pearl, um, how, how they're going to actually make it to a Final Four or March Madness tournament. So I just have to see uh, when the schedule uh, starts in a couple of days from now as well. Yeah, we shall see. Auburn opens up in South Dakota against top 25 ranked Baylor here next Tuesday. So be excited to see the guys have their first uh, first game of the year. Any final thoughts for us, James, before we have to let you go? Um, well, the final thoughts is the final thought that I actually have that the NBA in-game tournament is going to start tonight, and I'm actually going to be seeing all the NBA basketball games tonight and waiting up to the 9 o'clock hour for my Dallas Mavericks to take on the NBA champs, the Denver Nuggets. And I'm just going to see how my Dallas Mavericks would actually take this win to Luka Doncic's uh, team. And, uh, you know, I I think Luka Doncic will put this team on his back and uh, seeing a great team that uh, is really going to look good this year. And I'm hoping that they will win and go to advance to the next round, which is uh, next week as well. So I just have to see who we'll play in our next game as well. Yeah, everyone guaranteed four games in the in-season tournament, and then that's when they kind of break it off and go into a 
uh, a last uh, quarterfinal, semifinal, final round. So we'll see how it goes. Again, your Dallas Mavericks are the last undefeated team here uh, in the regular season there uh, out west. So I, I, we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be a big game tonight. Yes, it sure will be a big game tonight, and I'll probably see uh, some other. Uh, I'll probably see like some Auburn players that played with Bruce Pearl, and uh, seeing if they're going to do good this year in the NBA as well. Yep, the likes of Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, uh, Kessler, Isaac Okoro, those type of guys. Certainly, certainly open for them to have good seasons. Yes, as well. So I'll talk to y'all guys on Monday with uh, some uh, NASCAR news as well and the big race that's going to be coming out in Las Vegas, Nevada, which I'm going to be waiting for that one as well. So this will be my, that, that will be my first time this year of Formula One uh, watching this race from Las Vegas, Nevada. So that will be a really good uh, race that I'll be watching next week as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, NASCAR championship this weekend in Phoenix. So excited about all that. Well, James, we hope you have a great weekend, and we look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Just a few minutes left here in hour number one. Let's talk a little bit about Peyton Thorne as we get set to see really what I think is going to dictate the next two games. Well, and, and yeah, you're probably right. Look, and New Mexico State is they should play well. I mean, they played well even in the earlier group five games, so maybe that's not a big deal. But the Arkansas game, I think, is is relevant here. Can that be more than the uh, an aberration this past weekend? Can that become the le- the last minute norm here for the for the re- remainder of the season and? That will tell you, look, it might not tell you the full things that he'll do against Alabama, but it'll tell you if they've got a shot at it or not. And it'll tell you how you should feel about the game in Arkansas, too, getting to that seven-win number, potentially. They open the game pretty aggressive against Mississippi State, and they open throwing a lot. Is that how you would do it here against Vanderbilt on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think I would go if I'm if if I uh, if I'm Hugh Freeze, I'm Philip Montgomery in this offensive staff. 
uh, I, I think you do because you saw it work against Mississippi State, and I, Mississippi State's defense is uh, a better defense than, than Vanderbilt's uh, this year. And I think if it worked with Mississippi State, I think you you go for it and you try to uh, you try to open it up a little bit here with uh, with with some passing early against uh, against uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, also because you know you're you're still. Hugh Freeze has talked about it all year long. Uh, up until the middle of this season, we were you still trying to figure out what was in that wide receiver room. Well, uh, a, a weekend like last weekend gives your wide receiver room that is is struggling uh, a little bit of confidence. And what can give them a lot more confidence is coming out and doing the same thing the next game and yes. saying well, it's not going to be a fl- <clears throat> this wasn't a fluke. We tr- we you know we're we're trusting you guys a little bit more. And so uh, I, I think going and and having the uh, in hitting that passing game early against Vanderbilt. Plus, if you can and if you can hit some if you can hit some moderate passes or some deep passes, uh, what if there's any juice in that Vanderbilt Stadium from the crowd, uh, you could take it out really quickly with some quick strikes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you got to start fast. You got to really start throwing the ball. I, I think that's the best way to play it. Um, just continue to instill confidence in Peyton Thorne in your wide receiver core and in these guys that you know we're questioning like 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 Brooks said you know we were questioning you know who's going to stand out who's going to step up um and and now you're kind of seeing maybe there's some chemistry that's finally being built after such a you know tumultuous few few games a tumultuous seven games honestly where you just weren't really able to get things going in a consistent manner uh and now you've finally been able to do it against power five competition and you know although yes it is mississippi state yes their 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 passing defense isn't great uh but still you you were able to find some success against the power five defense so you want to build upon that uh start out fast at, at vanderbilt and uh and, and that way Again, you continue to instill the confidence in Peyton Thorne and uh, and your wide receivers. Yeah, I think that what they got going for them was Mississippi State played a little bit off. They allowed the seven to ten yard curl comeback uh, early in that game. You saw Caleb Burton make one or two of those catches and uh, saw that play a couple times. It didn't quite get as far as it needed to in the fourth quarter, but Camden Brown had a catch off of that. And that kind of stuff where it's just kind of the step-step throw, step-step throw, that's the kind of rhythm that Thorne and these quarterbacks have lacked uh, really all year long. And, again, that's a lot of that's due to the constant shuffling and, and, and maybe some play calling in there too. And so I look for some of that again. If Vandy's not going to press, then they're going to allow free release. And absolutely, I go 10 yards, stop, go 10 yards, stop, and, and just complete a few balls to open it. I don't really feel, I know this is a constant uh, analysis that color guys give on these TV broadcasts. I don't really buy it, though. They say, oh, you know, just get a completion of any kind. And they'll, and they'll say, oh, you know, get this swing pass or this screen. And I don't really buy that. I don't think that's enough of a start. I, I've tried to, to monitor that for struggling quarterbacks over the years, and I don't feel that there's a lot of strong evidence in what I've witnessed is saying, oh, yeah, he got the screen completion, four yards, here we go. You know, or, oh, he hit, you know, if, in the, if it's in the case of Auburn, got Batie going out of the backfield, it's on. About to have a big passing drive here. I don't feel that way. It's got to be stuff that is 8, 10 yards down the field and real 
first down level completions. That that's what's got to get quarterbacks going, and that's what Auburn was able to do in the first quarter against Mississippi State, and then that projected into longer stuff. Look, they've thrown that one-on-one RPO probably 30 times this year, and they've completed it about five times, Yeah, it feels like. Well, they finally got one of those to stick at the end of that first drive with Hooks making a, a great individual play through some contact, through some contact to the face, no less. And then... You, so you have the eight to ten yard, then you got a deep ball, and you're and you're unlocked, and and that's why he hit Javarius Johnson in stride on that wide open play. It was a good concept, distracted the safety. Johnson was available on the left side of the field, hit him in stride, touchdown. That's uh, it, why he completed a third down ball in the third quarter on their field goal drive, kind of backing up almost a little bit over the middle of the field. That was a low throw, but brought in. It's able he was able to hang in there and make that throw. It unlocked everything about him. So I don't want to see, you know, when we talk about passing a little bit early, I don't think that means, hey, let's get a Jarquest Hunter swing pass or, all right, screen pass, you know, bubble screen to uh, Jay Fair or something. No, it, it still needs to be the same kind of thing they opened Mississippi State with eight yard curl, five yard crosser, you know, something wheel route, uh, that kind of stuff. So, I think that will be available. That will somewhat be dictated by how Vandy plays. And, you know, Vandy might play off a little bit. They might say we are a little concerned because we are Vanderbilt. We might be a little concerned with some one-on-one matchups and that sort of thing. We don't necessarily want to press. We don't want one of those guys to get a free release because they may not be catching them. So I, I could see them playing off a little bit. If they do, then let's get that rhythm curl throw going on the outside Get, a, get that to start out with, and I think we could see a repeat performance from this past Saturday. We are out of time for hour number one. Still ahead in hour number two, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll also get out to some of the other big games in college football this weekend. There's two huge ones in the SEC. Of course, I talk about Kentucky, Mississippi State. Just kidding. Alabama and LSU from Bryant-Denny. And at Georgia and Missouri from Sanford Stadium in Athens. We'll talk about those games coming up ahead, as well as some national games. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, 
Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Again, coming up over the next couple of hours, going to be previewing all the big games across college football this weekend, including a busy slate in the SEC. But, of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401, locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to start hour number two. Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. Uh, I know Auburn, uh, we have Vandy uh, uh, in Arkansas, New Mexico State and Bama left, uh, sitting at 4-4 four and four currently, so I'm hopeful that we can pull two wins out, uh, if not more. But uh, looking ahead at, at a possible bowl picture, if we do, uh, interesting kind of matchup that I'm looking at. Yeah, UCF sitting out there at three and five. They got Oklahoma State, but they got some favorable favorable games. Uh, that kind of matchup together in a bowl that would that would be very interesting. I think it it would be. I'm just skeptical that they're going to get to six this year. They've had all kinds of uh, injury problems at quarterback. They blew a Baylor game this year that, uh, for all the world, they should have won. They were up four scores, I think, at one point in that game. Uh, and, and so, yes, you're right. A- after that Oklahoma State game, who is going to be coming off a high or a low against Oklahoma, you know, the, the rest of that is favorable, but it, it's just not seemed like it. they've they've gotten everything they've needed to do to get together to be able to win all those. I know Cincinnati and some of those teams are also the, the teams coming over with them in the group of five, but uh, but but you're right. I mean, if they if it does end up happening, I know there's a lot of projections for Auburn to go to that Tampa Bowl, that first Tampa Bowl uh, just before Christmas, and that's a, a, a tie-in uh, that you could see UCF in. So uh, that that is not far-fetched, but it is just going to be difficult for UCF to get to that six-win number. Yeah, it, it just kind of reminded me a little bit of 2018 uh, or 2017. You know, they give Gus this big contract, and I'm like, well, <laughs> they should have learned. All they had to do was look back at Auburn, so – um, but, but but pretty interesting. Yeah, they they they've got him wrapped up for a couple more years as well. So we'll, we'll see if they have any more three and five or uh, seasons like that. It's kind of looking looking a little bleak down there. But we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I, th- I think the only saving grace for them is that you know BYU's been okay. But if you look at those other teams that came over with them, Houston's one and four in the league, three and five overall. Cincinnati's zero and five in the league, two and six overall. Uh, and even BYU's just two and three in the Big Twelve, so kind of all those teams have have had struggles, and understandably so, coming in from a from a group of five league, albeit the AAC being the the best group of five league in years past. But I think all those teams have had uh, trouble adjusting. But yeah, clearly they they gave Gus the contract extension before the year started, and again, that's a choice. That is a choice. And, and I'll leave y'all with this. I, I know James kind of posed the question, but who do you think is going to be QB1 next year? Uh, would it be White, or what do you guys think? And then just the fall ball, I've, I've been looking ahead at basket, or at, at baseball, actually. I'm kind of skipping over basketball. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself. But <laughs> fall ball, they got some big bats, it was looking like, uh, just in, in some fall ball practices. They got, they've got some good guys that are actually 
uh, with, a, with a lot of power if you're looking ahead at baseball. I know that's way out there, but just your guys' thoughts on QB1 next year in, in baseball if y'all looked at it at all. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Appreciate that phone call. Yeah, I think, Brooks, you've been following along a little bit with uh, baseball there. Yeah, it, it's uh, they've got a, a decent team right now. Obviously, you, you've gotten you know two exhibition games in against Alabama a few weeks ago. You've you got another one this weekend going down to Biloxi to take on uh, Louisiana Tech. Uh, I think the bats, you know, obviously this is still a little bit far out. The bats, uh, you've got some good returning bats. You've got some good bats in the lineup this year for for Auburn. Uh, I think the big thing here is if you get uh, Joseph Gonzalez back this year uh, with a with a healthy arm uh, to anchor that pitching staff. He's kind of been, uh, you know, you saw him a few years ago, uh, and he was, you know, phenomenal. He was getting draft buzz, got hurt, was unable to you know, started this past year, unable to finish out the year after that first week. Week or two, uh, but if, if you can get him back in this year, and you can get him uh, get him as close to as you saw him a few years ago, health wise, uh, that could really lend you dividends. Especially when you look at this SEC slate, where you're going on the road to Vanderbilt, you've got Tennessee coming here. You still play Alabama, who emerged as a, a pretty decent program last year, uh, and then you know you're still facing Arkansas team like that that is always in the mix for for national championships. Um, you've got Mississippi State, Ole Miss, who you never really, you know, last year was kind of a weird year for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. They were good two years ago, and then they kind of fell off really quickly. So can they get back? So you've got a pretty difficult uh, conference slate, as you do every single year with, with uh, Auburn baseball. And I think today, nothing has been released officially. Um, I think it saw today where UConn released their baseball schedule for next year, and they've got a, a road trip to Auburn. Uh, uh, scheduled on that, and Auburn has not officially released that, but UConn has said they're going to play Auburn, so that's out of conference series. UConn's a team that's made the tournament here in the past few years, and then to start the year, you're going down to Jacksonville to take on a few uh, a few quality opponents in a little uh, early season baseball action when you get to February. But I, I think you know you, you look at this Auburn team; they they made it into the playoff or the uh, the tournament last year. Didn't do went really anything last year when you got uh, were in that host position. Uh, but I think you've got some pieces there to make it back to the NCAA tournament again this year. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just add to that real briefly that uh, obviously Auburn did lose uh, a couple of key bats last year, the likes of Bryson Ware, who hits what twenty home runs and incredibly incredibly productive there. I, I've being truthful, I'm going to have to to study up on all the new additions there uh, in the lineup. But I do know that when you have a foundation of Stanfield, who is incredibly speedy, got some contact. Ike Irish, who's a doubles machine, and then Cooper McMurray with a lot of power. I know that's kind of a well-rounded place to start. Uh, Bobby Pierce will be back this year, too, who's obviously a veteran. So I think they've got a nice little foundation. Uh, they will need uh, some of those new guys, though, to fill in that that back half of the lineup and, and, and certainly interject life there. But I, I think they've got a three or four group of guys that are, are going to be a really good place to start there. and I mean, Ike Irish is going to be one of the best hitters in the SEC, period. I think he already is. So uh, they do have a good place to start, but they will be working on the depth piece, and uh, we certainly will be uh, will be following along and trying to get more information on some of those, those newcomers as we approach the season. Uh, to answer your question, Michael, on the Peyton Thorne dynamic, I think if you asked that question seven days ago prior to the Mississippi State game, I tell you, yeah, it's going to be Walker White or it's going to be another transfer portal get. I think that you saw the first sliver of hope from Peyton Thorne. I think that's one of the reasons that they wanted him as opposed to a couple other guys out there because of the fact that he could end up playing two years. And for as highly touted as Walker White is, 
Uh, some services as high as the number five or six QB, uh, kind of more commonly around the eight to nine spot. That is a guy that could start from day one, but maybe still in that range of preferable year two starter. And so the idea was for Peyton Thorne to be a two-year starter for Auburn. Now, uh, if we see the Peyton Thorne that we saw against Mississippi State, that's going to come back into play in terms sure. of Thorne being available uh, for for next year and, and being someone that Auburn would, would be interested in having. But if there's regression, if it goes back and we see in Nashville this weekend a couple turnovers or you know a 90-yard output, that sort of thing, uh, then, then I think that that will pretty much be the nail in the coffin. I, I don't think he can afford a backtrack at this point in the season. I think it needs to continue to be uh, like we saw against Mississippi State, and then the Iron Bowl will mean a lot there. But I would say even if he did have a poor game against Vandy or Arkansas, it, it might not even matter how he played in the Iron Bowl. It might still be on the agenda to get in a, another quarterback or to try to do everything possible to make Walker White uh, available and ready to start his freshman year. So I think that is in some flux. I, I think that, again, this time last week, that would have been a, a in Walker White we trust type of deal. Uh, but I do think Peyton Thorne does have the opportunity if he can string along these consecutive performances to get another crack at it uh, at next year. So it, it is going to be something worth following for sure. I do not think Robbie Ash will be a part of the plan next year for what that's worth. I think that uh, I think that they know that even though there is a good running acumen there, that that's not the way that they're going to win football games in the SEC, and, and there's just not going to be enough of a well-rounded quarterback there unless there is serious development that has not yet occurred. I, I do not expect him to be a part of the, the plan next year. So, uh, yeah, that quarterback situation, unfortunately, not, not fully answered, but, again, hoping for some clarity here and, and hoping for some consistency in the next couple of weeks with the way – Peyton Thorne plays. All right, let's go right back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. It's Friday. How's, how's your day going? It's been going quite well. Okay, uh, so let's get to it, guys. About the available game, you know, uh, they're a seven-game losing streak. Yes. For me, unless you guys see this, it would be unthinkable for us to lose this game. Uh, it would certainly be mind-numbing. I mean, again, it's there There have been uh, bigger upsets than this, but uh, I, I still think that to backtrack after the first sign of progress in the SEC would be incredibly disheartening and, and would probably put a, a, a nail in the coffin of a, of a, a poor, poor season. Well... Uh, of course, that Tiger, you know, these stats, I know they, they, they if if Stat Tiger gets them, I'm sure uh, the, uh, the the coaching staff gets these. I'm sure they must have, like, they pay assistance, right, to gather all these stats. And Stat Tiger has um, been able to gather as well, right? I mean, they're going to have the numbers, yeah. I mean, they're going to have a lot of film, though, and film's going to do more than numbers. Okay. Well, what I'm getting at is Stat Tiger says uh, the available game could be closer than we think. And he goes through the list. I won't uh, play with all of them. But I did know this, according to uh, the information he has on here. Vanderbilt is six in the SEC when it comes to yards per play on first down, 6.72. They're also tied with Georgia at number one in the conference, throwing 48.3% on first down. Uh, 
Now, we're 12th in the league, guys. I didn't know that. We were that bad. Uh, a play on first down. And we're 13th in the SEC when it comes to passing uh, 33.3% of the time. So there's that. But then, good news, guys. Vanderbilt is 13th in the SEC when it comes to plays on first down, but they allow 6.27 yards. We're fifth. We allow 4.8 yards. And here's the good part. Now, I know you guys have been talking about Hayden Thorne, and, yeah, I'd love to see him uh, continue his progress, especially on, on the passing part. However, I think we might do better, and maybe I'm wrong. I'll be bored out for what the coach decides. It says here, Vanderbilt is last in the conference when it comes to rushing yardage on first down. They allow 5.29. They're last in the conference. Sure. So what do you think, guys? If, you're, if your opponent is last in the conference in uh, that category, wouldn't you maybe go with rushing more than passing? I mean, I think that they've been going rushing more than passing in, in every game, and, I mean, they still did that against Mississippi State. They still ran more than they threw, but – I, I mean, do heavy, think, heavy, heavy on running. Right, but I, I mean, I, I think that they, they still need, they still, I, they still, if they want to beat uh, Arkansas, they want to beat Alabama, especially, they're going to have to have some quarterback play. And I, I look, I, I think that Auburn will run just fine on Vanderbilt, but also Auburn's not done a good job in some critical third and fourth situations this year too. So I wouldn't just line up and try to knock them off the line and be done with it. I, I do think they should involve some passing game. And also some of those stats about, you know, the first down, that's just for, that's one down. And first down's important down, but so is second and third down. So, you know, we still know that overall, Vandy can get however many plays it wants to in first down. They have still not converted that into a ton of points or any wins against Power 5 competition. So, uh, again, that that is a tendency that, that, that they throw the most or tied for the most on first down. That's great. That's something you scout. But also keep in mind their starting quarterback to start the year has been out for a couple weeks now. So that they might operate a little bit differently. And so, I, I again, those are those are nice little stats for them, but it's meant absolutely nothing to the results of their games. That's why, yeah, you know, as good as they've done, according to those stats, they haven't resulted in any wins for them, right? Right. I mean, I, I would then look, okay, so if they're doing well in first down, what's happening on third down? Because it must not be overly productive. Or what are they doing in the red zone? Are they turning the ball over? That sort of thing. Are they, uh, you know, not, not, uh, you know, not eating a lot of clock up, a lot of possessions in the game? So, I mean, I, I again, like Vandy is bad at a lot of things. And sure, there's going to be a few stats that, that line up more favorably than them. But Look, their name's Vanderbilt, and they're two and seven. They're not having the James Franklin season for Vanderbilt. They they do not seem to be going in a positive direction. They've got one or two nice players on each side of the ball. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but again, if you're trying to connect the dots from last week, Mississippi State, should this be a greater challenge than Mississippi State? No, it, it's not going to be significantly easier because Mississippi State's not great. But this should not be a more difficult team to play than what Auburn saw last week. And Auburn, for a half, even three quarters, was dominating that team. They were up three touchdowns. So the way I look at it is if Auburn controls Auburn and they call good stuff and they play like they did last week, then Vanderbilt should not win this football game. Uh, I agree. If they have spirit, I was straight things happening these darn Vanderbilt games which we were heavily favored, and they didn't 
actually uh, turned out that way. And there is one probably number, uh, at least for me, uh, a little bit uneasy for me, uh, settling. I didn't know they are tied with those guys when it comes to interceptions in the SEC. They have 10. Sure, sure. So yeah. I sure don't want to see this Peyton Thorne uh, making their numbers you know, get better on, on interception-wise. All right, and you know we have two Vanderbilt players, or four Vanderbilt players, uh, playing for us. And I've read uh, a lot of the counselors their comments. He said he looks forward to it because he wants to obviously uh, have bragging rights. So uh, I hope he uh, has those bragging rights. All right. Brian, this question is for you, sir. Yes. You went to the uh, basketball game uh, Wednesday, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I just read Rail.com that they just uh, started officially uh, at the basketball game serving alcohol. Yes. Uh, now, my question is this. How do they uh, check or, or, or what uh, the, the person's age for buying alcohol? Yeah, no, well, I mean, I did not purchase alcohol, but, but it, it's supposed to be that uh, you show ID – and then that ID has a limit of two uh, beverages per again two beverages per ID. Oh, okay. So there's a limit. Yes, I and and look in the future. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and tell you it's gonna end up happening at Jern Hare Stadium. They're they're gonna end up doing that. I don't know when, but we we can all connect the dots and say it will. And I don't know if the limit what the limit will be there. I'd imagine it might be three or four instead of two. But yeah, Neville Arena, it's gonna be two. Okay. All right. Moving on real quickly, guys. If you haven't seen this article, you might be interested in reading it. Uh, it's uh, by Yahoo Sports uh, sports writer Ross Dellinger. Yes. It's entitled, Inside the Bitter Split Between the SEC and CBS. Both they just dug their heels in, they wouldn't move. Have you read the article or seen it yet? I have not, and, but if I'd come across it, I might have, because that stuff interests me. Yeah, it's about how it ended up that CBS uh, decided to part ways with us, and bottom line is apparently... They were willing to uh, up the ante uh, that uh, Mike Slide at that time uh, thought uh, that we were worth the SEC. And yet, after they decided to let it go, ESPN uh, bought us, they actually went up higher to get the Big Ten uh, to, to have their football games than what uh, the SEC was asking. Uh, interesting. Anyway, it's a good read. Now, some people were asked, oh, I think James was talking about uh, the. Uh, Michigan uh, uh, scandal, right? Yes. Well, this is getting hotter, guys. This comes from Bleacher Report, uh, and it's entitled, Purdue Head Coach Ryan Walters says, quote, they aren't allegations. It happened. He told this to reporters on Thursday. There's video evidence. There's ticket purchases you can track back. We know for a fact they were in a number of our games. And it goes on. So this is the article. Uh and then it goes on to say, guys, uh, for both Yahoo Sports, I saw their uh, com- comments on this, and CBS Sports, inside sources, they say uh, that athletic directors have gone already to the Big Ten commission, Commissioner and have told, them, told him that they want Michigan to be banned from going to the uh, Big Ten championship uh, game. Guys, uh, what do you think about that kind of a request? Do you think the commission will actually even listen to it? So I, I think it's a fair request. I mean, it involves games that were happening this year, too. I mean, this is a multi-year allegation, a, multi, a multi-year problem. And, and so I think it's a fair request. I I would prefer, and some 
push back on this. I would prefer them to go ahead and be penalized. I know that that's not going to come from the NCAA. They don't don't do investigations that quickly, even when it's obvious they want to get every fact so they know how harsh the penalized. But the Big Ten is the opportunity to act here. I prefer that they do because again, it is based off of a of a games and, and stuff that's also related to this year. Uh, however, do I think that they will? No, I do not think that they will. I think that they will. Uh, let this play out. I think that they know that Michigan is awesome this year, and I think that they were, are going to just kind of defer to the NCAA, which, again, will not act in a timely enough manner to affect this year. So, again, I I, I would prefer it to, to happen quickly because I don't want to say that Michigan, a team that cheated, ends up wins a title and then has it uh, – you know, taken from them because that's just not that's just an unnecessarily dirty way of, of having a season play out. And I think that we can all figure out that absolutely Michigan did this. Like it's not it, it's not really up to much debate that they did this. And so we're just trying to figure out who all was involved, what did everyone know, how many games, you know, and, and just the full scope of it. But I mean, I think anyone that's that's spent any say, any part of time looking into this that doesn't have maize and blue glasses knows that, that Michigan did this. And so uh, that's why I, I wish that we could act quickly. But, again, I, I don't think the Big Ten commissioner will do it, and I know the NCAA does not move quick enough. What do you think would be the, I guess, the, 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 the reluctance of the Big Ten commissioner to not go along with what some of these forces are saying is being asked of him? Uh, well, look, he, again, I think part of it would be they want Michigan to win a title. Like they, they, they know Michigan is really good. They want Michigan and Ohio State to play it on the field. And if Michigan were to win that game, they would obviously advance to the Big Twelve, a Big Ten title game, and they're going to end up in the college football playoff. And the way Michigan has looked, look, they're a clear national title contender. I mean, there's there's no bones about it. And so they want their conference to have the most opportunities to win the title, and, and they don't want to disrupt that. And uh, look, I, uh, the other schools are going to be irritable with them for sure. Uh, but again, that you can just kind of say, "Oh, we're just going to defer to the governing body, which is the NCAA," and and have at it. And that's an easy position to behind uh, to hide behind, uh, honestly. So uh, again, I, I again, my preference is that they would be penalized as quickly as possible because again, we we feel good about it happening this year during this year affecting this year, and so. With that known, once the NCAA announces penalties, say, nine months from now or a year from now, then they're going to be penalties stemming from this year, 2022 and 2021 mainly. So uh, that would, in my mind, view them as they would probably take their title back, whatever title that might be, or, or, or maybe they don't win anything. Maybe they do lose to Ohio State. They, they don't make anything, but uh, – I just don't we, – we already have knowledge of this beforehand. We can do something about it before we have to get messy and have revisionist history. That's what I'm thinking. You know, it's – I mean, the, the coach Purdue even said it. It's not an allegation. since we have video evidence. Right. I mean, again, it, it's – it, it's just it's not if they did it it's it's how bad it's how bad to what extent and how often and, and all those type of questions yeah in fact the coach Purdue would always say he said you might see us in a huddle for the first time this season because <laughs> we've had to teach our guys a new language in terms of some of the signals and he says we'll have to operate different 
a differently offensive. Now they're a heavy underdog. Right. You know that. Yeah. yeah, they're not they're they're not gonna beat Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh and guys, I did listen to the podcast with uh the interview you had. Uh and it was really well with uh, Coach Pearl and uh you know you talked about uh by Janai Broom. Uh you know, he's the only person from our team for Auburn that made it to the uh all SEC team, right? Yes. Yep. Were you surprised or you think anyone else deserved to be on there? I was not surprised. Trey Donaldson is still not a known enough a commodity, and then Aiden Hallway being a freshman is not going to make an all-encompassing team. If you had like an all-freshman team, then that's where you would project him to be. And he might end up being so good that he ends up an all-SEC team at the end of the year, but you're not going to predict that as a freshman when it's not clear if he'll even start or not. And then Jay Williams is a really quality player, but I just don't th- I think there's a cap on what he performs like, and so I'd be surprised if he ended up with the numbers to, to dictate him making one of those teams. So I thought that was fair. Okay, good enough. All right, guys, that's all I've got. Uh, let's hope this is not a strong drinking game uh, for any of us uh, for the Vanderbilt game. Amen. So uh, with that said, <laughs> have a safe afternoon and weekend, and uh, we'll see how things turn out. Come Monday. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see, appreciate that phone call as always. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line we are going to head to our next time out of the program when we come back we'll start to get into some other games around the country including in the southeastern conference you're listening to the friday edition of sports call tiger call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 on this Friday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you halfway through the Friday edition of the show. If you miss anything, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast, and that is presented by Coca-Cola wherever you may get your podcast. All right, so been talking Auburn Vandy for sure. Talked a little Michigan there in the previous segment too as that situation continues to unfold. Let's talk about some of the games coming up this weekend, though, as there's a couple big ones in the SEC that we need to start off with. Let's start with the game in the West. It's Alabama and LSU. That one is going to be a night game. Uh, CBS actually struck gold. I know Steve brought up the uh, deal where they are now putting more money into the pot for the Big Ten going forward, and that's why the SEC did not get the offer they wanted um, but they stumbled into about the best weekend you could come up with, the best doubleheader you could come up with in the SEC, the way it's played out. Number two, Georgia. Number 12, Missouri at 2.30. And then again at uh, seven or 6.45, 7 o'clock, that Alabama and LSU game. 
So, guys, this one for the West, Bama wins. It, it really is over. If LSU wins, LSU still needs to be steady. They can't lose again, but they would have right. the tiebreaker there. There, uh, although I guess I guess I should say this caveat to confuse people. <laughs> That would be true if Ole Miss loses to Georgia. However, if Ole Miss were to run the table, we would then have the three-way tie because Alabama, Ole Miss, and LSU would all have one conference loss and with a combination of things happening, obviously, to get there. So there would be confusion, but for the sake of this argument, we're going to say that Ole Miss does not come away from Athens victorious and therefore LSU and Alabama would both have one loss tiebreaker to the victor which under that scenario would be lsu bama is a three-point favorite which means on a neutral field be pretty even uh so interesting one in bryant and any guys how do you see it playing out yeah it's uh it's definitely gonna be an interesting one i think uh i think a high scoring game highly favors lsu in this circumstance um, if Alabama's defense can really put the clamps on or some type of clamps on this offense, um, then they certainly ch- uh, stand a chance to win. I, 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 I do think it'll be a good one. I do think it'll be, you know, a close battle. Um, but, you know, either team that's able, like, you know, running up the score in terms of things like that, I just think LSU has much more talent. And But then again, you know, the defense is so bad that that gives Alabama plenty of opportunity to be able to score. So it's just a matter of if we can see if Tommy Reese and and Jalen Milrow will be on the same page. I, I really think that's where it's going to come down to is is will Jalen Milrow have a decent game? They'll be at home, so that's obviously going to be a, an advantage. It'll be a night game, another advantage. So you'll be in Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, but still, the, this LSU offense is just so high powered. Um, and, and it's not like the Bama defense is not necessarily bad, but this offense is just so good is that it, it just tends to get overwhelming. So I think it'll be an interesting one. I, I'm not sure uh, how it's going to play out. The line is Alabama minus three, which is interesting. Um, I think they're putting some faith in just it being in Bryant Denny Stadium and being a night game um, over under 61 and a half. So, you know, that a relatively close game um but yeah so uh it'll definitely be an interesting one in my opinion uh i i do think it'll be close but um for for alabama to have a chance to win uh they got to keep it low scoring i don't know how many seats are in the bryant denny press box but 32 of them should be occupied by NFL scouts this weekend because I don't know if you've got a better wide receiver matchup in the entire uh, season of college football than this weekend where Malik Neighbors is on one side of the field and Jermaine Burton's on the other. And when both teams have an elite wide receiver, I think that both teams, uh, the NFL scouts, need to be paying a lot of attention to to uh, to this matchup. Um I, I agree. I think that a, a higher scoring affair probably is going to favor the the LSU Tigers. I'll say this: you, you look at the this Alabama team, and I know you know people you know a, a lot of people and, and wanted to sink the ship as soon as they lost to uh, to Texas to, to start the year. Texas is a good program, and then it uh, the it got even louder when you you struggle on the road at um, at South Florida. Um, after, since that, you know, you, you look at their their games, 
Alabama's kind of settled in. They, they've righted the ship. Nick Saban has, uh, has got, the, got the boat pointed in the right direction. Um, they've gutted out a couple uh, wins against Texas A&M and Arkansas. The Arkansas one, you really didn't, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of business being in uh, that one when it comes to the Hogs. But, you know, they, they've been able to, to right the ship. Uh, it hasn't been an over, you know, you've seen in the past few years with, uh, with some of these offenses that Alabama's had, uh, when they're winning games, they're dominating. This year it's not full domination on offense. Like they're not putting up the, the offensive numbers that we've seen uh, the past few years. And I think that speaks to, you know, what they have at quarterback there. I think Jalen Milrow, he's a fine quarterback. He's a good starting SEC quarterback, but he's not on the elite level like we've seen them have these past few years with uh, a Jalen Hurts, a two, uh, uh Mac was feasible there, but then Bryce Young came back and brought that, that, uh, that, uh, that eliteness back to their quarterback room. Uh, Milrow is a good starting quarterback in the SEC. Uh, he, he's not the same level as we've seen in Alabama quarterbacks this, this year. This feels like a game that's going to be close. Um, I think it's like a middle scoring. I don't, I don't think it gets super high scoring like we saw that, L, that uh, LSU Ole Miss game uh, earlier this year. Uh, but I, I also don't think you're going to see a, a, a um, 24 to 10 or something like that. I think it's going to be upper tw- both teams are going to score in the upper 20s to low 30s. Uh, it, it's going to be a it, it's going to be a, a fun offensive game. I think the difference here, and, and you, you touched on it, uh, Cam, there, I think it's going to be the Alabama defense corralling Jaden Daniels because Jaden Daniels is trying to do something that no quarterback's done in a while, and that's ba- win back-to-back years against Nick Saban. Uh, I, I cannot tell you off the top of my head the last quarterback to win two games over Nick Saban. Was it Bo Wallace? Was he uh, this, both years at Ole No, Miss? Kelly was the second. That's right. Chad Kelly was the second. So I don't know when the last time two quarter because uh, Clemson would have had two different quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson won one once and Trevor Lawrence won once um and so it's it it, it, it this is Jaden Daniels is going for something that that would be uh, a feat that not a lot of teams not a lot of individual quarterbacks have done um but it, it this feels like a, a, a defensive stop by Alabama late is how this game is going to end and with with Alabama getting the win and yeah, they're hanging around in that 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 uh that pl- playoff talk. They they're just they continue to hang around. You, you know, it, it's it continues to be the as I, I mentioned when I started this this tangent. Uh, Nick Saban uh, has righted the ship, and when you count them out, they he continues to uh, show why he is one of the greatest college football coaches, if not the greatest college football coach of all time, uh, and able to to manufacture uh, what what has been happening at Alabama this year. My question is, and look, it, I. I'll, well, I have two questions, but one is offensively for LSU versus Spanish defense. My question is, can LSU's defensive backfield run with the Alabama wide receivers, mainly Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton? Because LSU's defensive backfield has not been good this year. They're missing one of their better ones, aren't they? they He's out with injury. They do have an injury back yeah. there. And that part of their team, they also have defensive lineman injured too. I mean, LSU's got a couple – couple key injuries we were talking about that with chris gordy um earlier this week at the beginning of the week they, they do have a couple real concerns there just what can they do because milro has fortunately been just weak enough at quarterback to have a couple of just really poor moments per game period no matter who they're playing take a couple of deep sacks have a have a bad looking turnover here uh, and, and so those usually do happen once or twice a game. I will still tell you that will happen once or twice. But 
in between those other once or twice is there have been a few other stops for these teams this year against Alabama. Alabama's not had a bunch of prolific football, but LSU's the type of defense that I don't see how they end up getting a lot of stops. That front is going to have to be awesome because they're going to get beat in the back end, period, end of discussion. They'll get whipped, as a matter of fact. And Milrow throws a good deep ball. He doesn't do everything well. He has some limitations, but I think he is one of the best deep ball throwers in the sport. And he's got two really talented, fast wide receivers to do that. The Jermaine Burton that we've seen this year is far different than the Jermaine Burton we've seen last year. Isaiah Bond, I think, is going to end up being a really good type of Henry Ruggs type of quick twitch receiver for them. So I, I I worry about that if you're LSU. It, it I would almost dumb it down to just count the seconds from the snap to the throw, and I'll tell you how screwed LSU is. If it's more than three seconds and then there's an action, then LSU's in grave danger every single time that happens. If Perkins and Taylor and whoever can get back there early then and, and confuse Milrow, then, then they got a shot at it. And I know that you say, well, you say that about everybody, but I just think that LSU's pass defense is so poor, it is so much more pronounced for them. And, you know, I would also want to see, too, what Alabama's thoughts are on running the ball this weekend. They have not run overly well this year. I think there's signs they've started to run a little bit better, particularly against Tennessee. That second half, they ran well. But McClellan has just kind of been a man back for them. There's not one trait that stands out. When you think of the multitude of Alabama running backs the last 13 years, there's a defining trait that each of them have had. Some of them have been stylistically different, but you could go from everyone from Lacey's spin move to Henry's pure power to Yeldon's vision and cutting and so on and so forth. Even the guys from Heisman winners to the guys that felt a little less impressive, they all had a defining trait that that carry them as back and i don't know what his defining trait is Uh, and and so i I think there's an opportunity there but again it comes down to can you can you get to milrow or not because if you don't again he'll he'll stop himself once or twice he'll make a a bad throw here or there but it's still it's not consistent enough that you say oh yeah we're just going to rely on him missing some open guys no he'll find He'll find open guys, and, and those guys will make big plays with the ball. They're very athletic there. So I'm curious about that. I do think Daniels will get his, but I think the Alabama defense is still really good. It's not the, the type of great defense they used to have because football is not the same way when Nick Saban got there to where it is now. But I, I think that their defense is still quite good. Uh, they suffocated Tennessee in the second half after they a did. first half that was – uh, Tennessee was getting the best of them. Tennessee had the momentum. They were trying to get all they could in the first half. They didn't score in the second half. And so, again, a very low number is out there for Alabama to be able to hold LSU to, even with the adept ability of, of Jaden Daniels. And, again, Daniels is awesome. For my money, today, if you asked me 444 in the afternoon on November the 3rd, four, four, four. I think Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman Trophy as of today. Wow. Even over Michael Penix. I'm not interested necessarily in just being best player on, on best team or that sort of thing. I think if you look at Daniels, what he has done to these defenses has been overwhelming, whereas Penix the last couple weeks after the big win has fallen off just a little bit. You're right. It's, it's, not, it's not some you know indictment of him. He's awesome. He should be second. And second right now is in plenty of position to win. But I, for my money, would pick Daniels. Now, 
this is the moment for Daniels. If they lose, then it's going to be hard to say that he should win the Heisman. If they win and he they score 35, 40 points in that win, then I think that he is a clear number one going into the final quarter of the season. Again, still have to change. I don't crown people after eight or nine games like other people in the media do, but I think that he would earn the, the right to be number one, especially at that point. So when you're looking at neighbors, you're looking at Thomas, uh, those are some great challenges for Bama's DBs too, which again, give up a play here and there. I, I would be shocked if LSU could run on them. Logan Diggs is quite good. Jane Daniels is very adept at scrambling, but Alabama feels like they can account for some of those things. Yeah. As I've said, the last thing I'll say about this game, because I know I've been on my own little tangent here, is that, again, the thing that gets Alabama, and I'll lump Georgia in now too, that gets their defense a little bit more iffy is the guys that can truly – run the football from the quarterback position on top of really good passing skills. And yeah. that should sound obvious because that's obviously problematic for a lot of teams. But when you have guys that just don't provide any sort of chaos element to it, the very well-disciplined defenses of Alabama and now of Georgia do a really good job of stopping that because it's within – the framework of everything, you know, just within the framework of expectations. But you get a mobile quarterback to create random chaos plays and jeopardize assignment football and that sort of thing. And that has been the thing that has at least been able to get them a, a few times over the years. And so Daniels did that last year. However, I do think this is a matter of who's at home. I, I think it's the same situation. If this were in Death Valley, I would pick LSU. And I'd pick it a lot like last year. One possession game, maybe overtime, uh, and last-minute type of plays. Here, uh, being there in Tuscaloosa, I think that it's probably a situation where, again, LSU will get a – here, here's my thought. LSU will have a couple drives that make it look like they might score 42. It will look pretty damn good. It'll look – Easy-ish. Very, uh, just effortless. Right, and it, it'll look like, yeah, this is why they're awesome at this. But then they're going to have situations. Back to the Florida State game. Third and two at the Bama 35. Run of one yard. Fourth and one at the 34. Don't get it. Or they get in the red zone in four plays, settle for field goal. And that's why they're going to lose the game by one possession, is that on the road I don't trust them against a still really good Alabama defense to make every single play that they're going to need in these short yards and important situations. Those are still the situations where Alabama proves that they are a good defense, and those are still the situations that LSU, I don't think, has had to prove that they've improved on uh, because that was what really got them early in the season, really mainly the Florida State game, but even still you look at some red zone numbers for them, they're not all savory. So I, I think that – that that will determine it, and Alabama will win by three, four, six points because one more possession for LSU did not result in points or did not result in a touchdown. And then at home, Alabama makes either the late stop or the last two, three-minute drive to win. But I think it's going to be a heck of a game for sure, uh, and it's and it's going to be must-watch TV. Just a couple minutes left in this hour, not enough time to break this up with another – Another timeout. So I know Brooks is about to depart here uh, at the end of this hour. So Brooks, I want you you to get final thoughts on Auburn Vandy 
And then if you want to have another game in college football that you're really looking out for this weekend that obviously we've not gotten to, uh, you can give me that as well. Um, so Auburn Vanderbilt, you know, uh, it, it's I think you know Auburn comes into this game. We we've talked about it uh, earlier today. Uh, this is a game that I, that I think you're coming off of a win. You're finally coming off of a win that uh, I think collectively the team and the the fan base both feel good after you you came you you had that win against the Mississippi State. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I'm, I haven't heard that music in the in the home locker room louder than it was this past week. Uh, in when we were sitting in the in the press conference room uh, after the game, it's it, it, this is a game that Auburn. You know, you, you come into you've got a chance to go in and get get a win on the road in the SEC, which is never easy. Uh, you know, not you know obviously nothing's guaranteed, but almost guarantee yourself a bowl game if you get this win. And you you kind of you know you, you have a chance to go into a to a, a road SEC environment, and it, it's you know kind of kind of exercise some demons that you've had there too. You know you, we we talked about the last two times that Auburn's played at Vanderbilt. Now they were bad years for Auburn, but you still are supposed to beat Vanderbilt. And this it, it's it, you're Auburn, any team in the SEC you think you're supposed to beat Vanderbilt. I, I think Peyton Thorne, uh, if if we see the same Peyton Thorne we saw last week, uh, I think Auburn's got a, uh, a phenomenal shot to win it. Uh, I think this running back room is con- uh, continues to get better. I think you're seeing Jarquez Hunter get more into the groove this year uh, as the year has gone on. Uh, I-, I think that that's going to be key too. Is uh, I think passing the ball, but also having continue having a good run game here this weekend is going to be key for for Auburn. Um, ultimately. I, I think Auburn goes in. I think the the line right now is what twelve points by for yeah, Auburn. Yeah, twelve, twelve and a half. Yeah. Um, I, I think Auburn wins this game. Uh, I'm I'm I like the line. I'll, I'll go right along it. I think Auburn wins it uh, twenty four to ten somewhere around there. I, I think I don't because Vanderbilt. I just don't like you know some years. Some years I'm higher on what they've got than others, and I, I think that they could pull off some SEC wins. This year's not one of those years. This year this year they're they're kind of down in the in the dumps right now. But uh, I think Auburn goes in. I think they get a, a, a fairly decisive win for for this Auburn team and uh, come out of Nashville with a victory. Any other game that I'm looking at for tomorrow, um, I'm really interested in that Texas A&M Ole Miss game. That's an 11 a.m. kick. You know, Ole Miss, you talked about, uh, still has an outside chance in an SEC championship appearance. Um, this could be a, a, a weird game here, uh, 11 a.m. in the Grove. Uh, then also, I, I, I want to see it elsewhere in the SEC, uh, I want to see how Arkansas does at Florida because, you know, I think last week we discovered that, uh, again, once again, that Florida is not as the same team that we uh, we thought they you know they could have been after the upsetting Tennessee. Arkansas needs a win. They're on the if they lose tomorrow, it is it's done for bowl bowl season for them because they they're on six losses already. They're fighting for their bowl lives. So I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Both eleven a.m. kicks. Do they fire Pittman if they lose the game? I think if potentially, I think he, I, they may not fire him then, but I think there's a good shot they fire him at the end of the year if they lose. That the would game. be the, the yeah. final straw. There. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. And again. Yeah, I know the spiel on that, but again, very likable guy. But again, that's the business that college football and, and really all these sports now are. So again, it's tough, but unfortunately, they have just uh, taken a nosedive if you're an Arkansas fan. 
We are out of time for the second hour of the program. We say goodbye to Brooks Childress only for a couple hours. You'll hear him right here on Tiger 95.9 starting at 6.30 with Tim Sin and the guys for Beauregard High School Football. Appreciate you being here today, Brooks. Yep. Bye, Brooks. I miss you. Bye. (laughs) Uh, So that'll do it for Brooks on the show, but we still have one more hour to go. When we come back, we'll get into that Georgia-Missouri game. Also, look around college football and final predictions for Auburn and Vanderbilt. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here Yeah. the rest of the way on this Friday. Again, coming up this hour, final thoughts on Auburn and Vanderbilt, of course. In the meantime, though, got to talk about one more big SEC matchup than a few other games across the country. So we talked Alabama and LSU on the other side of that break. If you missed that. Or if you ever miss anything on the show that you want to hear, again, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. But into the East Division now, Georgia and Missouri in Athens. Georgia 15.5-point favorite still against the 7-1 and one, number 12 Missouri Tigers. How does it go down in Athens on Saturday? You know, I do think <laughs> – I actually sat on the show on uh, on the score this morning uh, that, that Mizzou would win, and I, and I probably didn't mean that. But it, it was oh. – it it, look, it was 7 in the morning. <laughs> I've been up since 2.30. Uh-huh. Just, just cut me some slack. I was feeling a little, you know, a little – I don't know. I was feeling a little rambunctious. Yeah. Uh, but, but – Ready to make some y- things happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, you know, it's 5 o'clock – a few hours later <laughs> and uh i'm rethinking that and and i'm saying well that doesn't seem very logical there in <laughs> athens and i do think mizzou's gonna put up a fight i really do i think they are a good football team i think that i think that they've competed very well in every game that they've played so far this season uh, i know the, they had the loss to lsu at home but that was a close game all the way up until the very last um possession and you know uh, Brady Cook didn't end up throwing the pick six and and so that made it a little that made the score look a little bit wider than what the game actually was um, but I, I do think they're going to be able to come in and put up a fight I do think it's going to be interesting because I think they're pretty solid on both sides of the ball pretty com- pretty pretty complete team not perfect team not hit you know but they are I think they're a complete and well coached football team 
That being said, I think that just them being in Athens and it just being, you know, Georgia being so talented, as talented as they are, um, and Carson Beck really seems to be able to um, – He's quietly having a, a, a very, very, very good season uh, in his first season. He seems to really have figured it out, seems to really just have caught a rhythm. Uh, even without Brock Bowers, they dominated Florida, um, which obviously I, I know played to a def- the defense, and Florida did some dumb things as well, kind of hurt themselves, uh, like that trick play. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Anyway, um, but I, I, I think it'll be a good one. I think it'll be an interesting one. You said the line was what? Fifteen. Yeah, 15. I, I, I would, I would think. Yeah, I would think that. I think that Mizzou will cover. Honestly, um, I, I think they'll. You know, I, I, did I say that right? I'm not much yes. for betting. No, yeah. you're 100 right. Covering would be Missouri to lose by less than 15. Yeah, so I think Missouri would cover. Um, I, I think it'll be a close enough game. I think it'll be a one score, a one score game. Um, 15 is just a little wide. I know Georgia's good, and I know they're now the number two team in the country, but I, I think that you got to put a little bit of respect for what Missouri's been able to do. And and that being said, you know I, I could see it being like a like a 27, 20, 27, 24 type game. I'm tempted to say something rambunctious of my own, but it's Dude. not something I'll be proud of. Do it. It's not something I'll be proud of. Ow. Missouri would have a better ch- chance of keeping this game close if they were four and four, not on anyone's radar. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of like last year. That's yeah. The, yeah, that's the way Georgia has acted for the last year and a half. Even this that's year, fair. I mean, Kentucky that's fair. That's fair. got some buzz. I remember we got a right. call on here questioning <laughs> maybe Kentucky could win, and Kentucky died a very long and very, painful very death. Long so yeah. you're right. I, you know, I, I feel it. I, I, in a sense, like when Georgia gets motivated, they just they just flex now. Missouri's path is obviously to have the Brady Cook game, and Luther Burden is an awesome wide receiver. He so is. he's got he's got a weapon to play with there. Cook on the season, fifteen TDs to three picks, throwing for nearly three hundred yards a game. So, look, they do have a pretty good running back and Schrader too. But I think that when you're asking someone to go on the road and you're asking to beat someone like Georgia, it's it's got to be quarterback play, and, yeah. and that's why. The only time Georgia was truly bothered last year was against Ohio State, and C.J. Stroud played an incredible game, he and did. they were just a kick short. And so uh, Cook's going to have to be awesome. And admittedly, I've watched him some. I thought he was good against LSU, but guess what? I think a lot of people have been good against LSU's defense this year. That's why I'm concerned about them. Even though Milrow has, makes mistakes from time to time, I'm concerned about LSU secondary against Alabama on Saturday. And so – with Missouri, it's like, well, other than that, when I'm saying like the games that Cook showed, he was awesome. Again, he's played pretty well all year. I can tell you that South Carolina's defense is not any good. And yeah. I can tell you that Kentucky's just okay. Vandy, again, not great. Memphis, this isn't basketball. You know, Kansas <laughs> State is, is the one game where I would say that that's the kind of team – Look, still not on Georgia's level, no, but that I will but give you a, full a credit for team. that. Right. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you full credit for that game uh, because he was 23 of 35, 356, and two touchdowns in that that's game. That's a great game. But, again, that's two at home, and this is Georgia, and it's yeah, in Athens. It's in Athens. And, yeah. and so, look, I, I, I want to say that Missouri's done an incredible job this year. Um, good on uh, Eli Drinkwitz for beating the allegations. 
Yeah, because I, I thought he'd be fired yeah. around. I mean, he's right kept about his now. job for another year, right? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I I seriously thought coming into this year that they would have been okay, maybe three and one, or or, or three and two to start the year. But then I I figured lose to Missouri, lose to Missouri, uh, lose to Missouri, lose to LSU, lose to Kentucky, maybe lose to South Carolina, and then you lose to Georgia. That would have put you like three and six, four right. and five in the year. And yeah. I thought this might be his final game yeah. coming in the year. Now I'm thinking that he is going to be there a while, <laughs> and oh. that uh, okay. they they might be okay in the end. But I I just think for Georgia that Beck has played well. There, there's still no reason they to, for for them to be nervous, in my opinion. Like I, like I think that they could still feel that they can flex. And yeah. I know they don't have Bowers, but Edwards, I think, is starting to come on as their lead back. And I, 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 I think that Georgia's defense, while it doesn't create a lot of negative plays, I can really see them frustrating Cook because he's probably not going to be used to having to take some short stuff and not being able to make pretty big chunk plays. And I can see them getting kind of frustrated with, oh, really, you got to take three yards again? Okay. you got to take this third and four again. Can we not just get a 15-yard chunk play? And then that's when you have the turnover, and that's yeah. when when it starts to unravel on you. So, again, I don't think – I will not be brashed and say Georgia will embarrass them, but I do think that Georgia will be – uh, at, at no point in this game do I think Georgia will be concerned. Uh, okay. I, I like is it beyond Missouri to take a, a one possession lead in first quarter? Sure. I don't think that would be overly concerning, and I, I still think Georgia will win by double digits and 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 be fine. Uh, but again, this is I mean if you're if you're looking for the Georgia loss that matters the most. This would be the game Absolutely would be the game. that matters the most because yeah. this is the only real reason they real could test. lose the East. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, like I think it's a test to play Ole Miss, and I think it's a test to play at Tennessee. Yeah. But it the, losing one – if you – realistically, Georgia's probably not losing any of them, but you could fathom one. You could fathom it. But losing Ole Miss does nothing, absolutely nothing, because they'll still win the East. And losing to Tennessee does not do anything if it's only one loss because Tennessee already has two conference losses. Right. This is the one loss that would actually jeopardize yeah. Georgia making the SEC title game. For sure be detrimental. So if you're, looking, if you're looking for something to root hard for, you're t- <laughs> so they could tire to Georgia, th- this is the game that you need them to lose. Because, Let's go Mizzou! Uh, yeah, even, even those other two, yes, it would they would not be number two, number one, whatever anymore. They would still have the same path that Alabama would to the the college football playoff game or a college football playoff with an SEC title victory. So, uh, th- this is the one that prevents them or puts a little bit of jeopardy into the SEC title part of it. All right, other games in the conference. There are a couple more that are at least worth mentioning. Uh, and, and Brooks mentioned one of them on the way out there. Uh, he talked a little bit about Ole Miss Texas A&M there was a world where this game would have mattered more if A&M again once again would have lived up to somewhat of the recruit expectations Uh, but Ole Miss is number 10 in the country and it's not often that a top 10 SEC team with still four weeks to play has very few if any paths to the playoff but that's kind of where they're at because if Alabama beats LSU then Alabama is going to go to the SEC title game and Ole Miss can't and there has not been a chaotic enough year to have really two-team SEC scenarios and to have a team that misses the SEC title game get a benefit of the doubt and get in. So 
even with Ole Miss having Georgia on the schedule, you say, oh, if they go to Athens and knock off Georgia, that's awesome. Right. But if Alabama wins the SEC title, they're going in over them. And, again, there's not space for two SEC nope. teams. So Ole Miss has not a lot of pass, but, yeah, it's a really good football team. They're only favored by three. Weird. That, again, there's – yeah, the healthy number 10 teams at home don't usually get yeah, favored by Yeah, they're at home. Yeah, don't, don't get favored by three very often over unranked teams. Uh I mean, do you have an argument for A and M winning this game, or do no? you feel <laughs> you feel you feel good on Ole Miss? Yeah, I I feel like Ole Miss got disrespected. <laughs> like seriously, like I'm seeing the line now, like minus three over under fifty one and a half, and you're in Oxford, and you're only favored by three against a Texas A and M team that's like not awe inspiring they're right they're, it's a seven win five and, yeah, like yeah they're seven and three three and or excuse me five and three three and two in the conference odd very very odd vegas <laughs> is up to something i just I'm not a fan but i i definitely i think that ole miss will cover as long as jackson dart plays a good consistent game right i i don't see the path so Here's the thing. Ole Miss's defense, again, has – look, I'm not saying you have to throw them a bouquet of flowers for this year okay? because it's still not an awesome defense. Yeah. But they've essentially had one bad defensive game all year, and that was the LSU game, and we just kind of assumed that's what they are, yeah. and oh, here's Ole Miss being bad defense. Every other game, 7 to Vandy, 21 to Auburn, 20 to Arkansas, 24 to Bama, 23 to Georgia Tech, 20 to Tulane, 7 to Mercer. No one's gotten out of the mid-20s on them. And I'm sorry, I don't think Max Johnson is going to be the one to unlock that. I I I, just don't. I just don't. I I don't. So, yes, A&M can get to 20, 23 points, something like that. But even with Texas A&M's defense, I think they just lost Jamar Turner or Stewart or one. They lost. They lost somebody defensively. Yeah. And still, it's a team that is just not clicked again this year. Ole Miss is going to be fine in that game, I think. I think so as well. I, I, ju- I just minus three. That's so low. That's so. It is. That's such a small margin. And I, and I just don't buy that. And look, I, I I'll say like, okay, it's eleven a.m. So you're you're not getting the the prime the environment yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Ole Miss is not known to have one of the better four or five environments in the league. Whatever it, it I've said this many times. I believe this truly. It is still a disadvantage, period, to not be at your, your home stadium yeah, in front of your crowd. No I matter agree. how much of a positive advantage it is for them for them to be at home, it is still a disadvantage for you not to be at home. Yes. So I, I, I trust Ole Miss in this one. I'll be interested to see if they can run. I think that's the one path for a and to really make them one-dimensional, and they yeah. got a, a, a puncher shot at that. But – I think Ole Miss will be fine, fine in that game. Not blowout, but a, a thirty-four to twenty-four, thirty-eight yeah, yeah. twenty-four type 10, of game, maybe thirteen yeah, point win. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then the other SEC stuff: Tennessee plays UConn. It's not in basketball, so we forgot to care. Uh, <laughs> Arkansas and Florida. Brooks mentioned that one a little bit, as he said. Maybe you just want to keep an eye on it to Again, see. Only Florida minus three. Like why? I'm sorry, but they're uh-huh. at home. That's Ben Griffin or Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Yep. Like that's that's a very tough environment, man. And Arkansas is not right. Good. The only the I know only they question. have a different offensive right. coordinator, yep. but still, I'm sorry. I w- I'm picking I'm, four to two. I just don't buy it. I think, minus three. 
Yeah, Again, I would have gone I, minus six. Yeah. I would have gone a full I, possession, six I, and a half. I, yes, I agree. And so I'm thinking like a seven to ten point win yeah. here for Florida. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out. That's fine. But Florida's playing better than a lot of people expected, and Arkansas's playing a lot worse than all, than people expected. Yeah. So I, I just I think I think you got to give them a little bit of respect here. Right. Right. And and, and maybe it's just the like your maybe your angle is that okay here I'm just coming on the argument you don't have to oh, buy yeah, it yeah, all yeah, but yeah. is hey Florida again is a pretty they're, they're going to end up six and six at the end of this so we're really talking about a six win versus a four win team and we're talking about. You know, a coach that needs this for his job and that right. sort of thing, and they both and Jeff, do. And and, uh, and maybe you say, well, I still think Jefferson's the better of the two quarterbacks. I mean, I'm just saying, okay. I, I'm just giving you, yeah, I'm giving yeah. you an argument, but I I do think Florida win that too. But I do think that we all should monitor that in the event that Arkansas does play significantly better, okay. or di- or significantly different. Than what they put on tape the last eight games because obviously that they have Auburn after that. So yeah. if they do win that game, if they do somehow win, yeah, then the that bowl eligibility is still alive. Fair enough. And I I think that they've got Missouri at the end, which can be really tough. It is a rivalry. Yeah. And I forgot what the other game is for them, but they've got to be at least thinking that you rally to the head hog at that point uh, and, and try to pull something together. But again, they've got to win a game at some point yeah, to, to I, get that momentum. I, yeah, I just – I think Arkansas's bowl chances are six feet under. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, again, it's I, I, it, it's an uphill climb. They, that, that other game is FIU, so they'll win that one. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the – again, let, this this for them is, I think, the – these the, next two weeks are the moment of decision for for Pittman. And, it's the beginning and of the end. Again, maybe what they're, they're banking on. South Carolina – Host Jacksonville State. There's going to be a lot of Gamecocks there. Let's go, Jack State. Uh, South Carolina favored by 14 and a half in that one. And again, that seems like a lot, but also it's like, well, they're playing a Conference USA team. At yeah, home, but that's not a great. Jack know, State ain't sign playing that you. bad. Yeah, J, no, JSU at 7 2 has been really good, but um, it, that one will come down to do they give. South Carolina time to throw. If so, they're in big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Not, say, that's what I was yeah. going to say. If you get if you get pressure on Rattler, then then right, you you got a chance. And then the last game is the Kentucky Mississippi State mid off, where yeah. Kentucky five and three on the year, State four and four. I have not checked the status of Will Rogers this week like I did last week. Admittedly, it yeah. felt more important. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it did. Um, but Kentucky favored by four and a half there in Starkville. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I think Kentucky's the better overall team, in all honesty. Uh, if you don't have Will Rogers, uh, yeah, if they don't have Rod, yeah, you're. I'm you're gonna assume for the world they don't have Will Rogers, okay. and then so then I you're, would go you're Kentucky done. too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't have Will, Will Rogers, you don't have a chance, in my opinion. If yeah. you're if you're Mississippi State, so yeah, I, I just, I agree. I agree. Uh, again, I think that one will be avoided. That's the same time as the LSU Alabama game. Yeah. So. Just wanted to mention that because it's probably the last time it's mentioned uh, for the Ever. year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a look around the Southeastern Conference this coming weekend. When we come back, look across the nation at, I believe, five top 25 matchups. Two of them are in the SEC. So three additional top 25 matchups. And then, again, closing thoughts on Auburn and Vanderbilt as they get set for a 3 o'clock showdown in Nashville. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon, starting to wind down this Friday edition of the program. Again, we just looked at the SEC games for this coming weekend. Let's look real quickly at, again, a few of the other notable games across the country Three more ranked games outside of the SEC. Number seven, Texas, taking on number 23, Kansas State, still without Quinn Ewers. You have number nine, Oklahoma, at number 22, Oklahoma State. That is the game of the week there on FM Talk 93.9, a 2.30 game. And number five, Washington, traveling to number 20, USC. Cam, what do you think about those matchups and uh, if you see any of the lower-ranked teams there winning those games? You know, the, the game against Kansas State could be interesting for Texas, even though it is a home game. Um, uh, their backup quarterback that will be starting is slipping my mind, but it seemed like he had a pretty good game uh, last week, so they were able to to kind of uh, tread water and continue to keep going. Um, I think that one could get interesting because just Quinn Ewers just brings a, a different dynamic. Kansas State, not a terrible team. Uh, you know, still still six and two, so they're and, and ranked. So again, still having a solid season. Uh, you thought they were going to have more issues after the loss to Mizzou, but it seems like Mizzou might be kind of legitimate, and and Kansas State not as bad. And and that was a, a just a an away game that they ended up losing. So you know, totally understandable. Um, and, and then you know, I I, I don't I, I don't see. I don't see Washington losing to USC. I just, I mean, again, USC's biggest issue is defense, and actually, Caleb Williams has struggled a little bit as of late. Same, same with Penix, but still, uh, at least Washington has some semblance of a defense. They've still been able to get out with wins. They've, they're still undefeated, uh, a top ten team in the country, uh, and so I, I think that'll be USC's third loss, which will uh, be really unfortunate. Um, and that'll be their second loss in the Pac-12. So that'll you know put them out of the Pac-12 race. Uh, so I, you, I mean, for Lincoln Riley, at some point you're gonna have to recruit defense seriously um, to stand a chance because again, defense is the thing that wins championships. In all honesty, and you you have you, you're not gonna have Caleb Williams next year. So you got to see. I mean, I know there's been some talks about him coming back if he doesn't like the choice, but I don't buy that. I I do think that he will will go go to the NFL. Uh, and, and I I next season you don't have that that superstar quarterback that can keep you afloat in games when your defense is struggling. You have to be able to recruit defense seriously, not just use the transfer portal, but actually attack high schools and and actually 
recruit seriously. You're USC. You, you, you'll be able to get guys. I promise you'll be able to get guys. Uh, but anyway, not on that. T- enough of that. Um, I don't see them beating Washington. I think Washington will be, be able to overpower them. Last game, Bedlam. That's a tough one. Um, the last, you know, the last bedlam that we'll get for probably a very long time, maybe ever. Um, the head coach of Oklahoma State, Mike Mike Gundy, was very upset. Um, continues to be upset uh, that Oklahoma is really dissolving this rivalry when they're moving to the SEC, uh, saying, you know, it's a hundred plus years of of history that they're just kind of throwing away. Uh, and I tend to agree actually with them. You know, I, I don't understand why Oklahoma couldn't just continue to play Oklahoma state in a non Oh, cause Oklahoma game. state won't oblige and help schedule. Really? Yeah. Oklahoma state's just as much to blame as them. Yeah. Oklahoma's the initial actor here, but yeah. if Oklahoma said they'd be willing to play Oklahoma state and Oklahoma state, no, oh, no, you burn the bridge. <laughs> so they're being petty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your feelings got hurt. Yeah. Because you're not Oklahoma. Yeah, because you're not Oklahoma. <laughs> but it's like, dude, like, if still, man, you, the game means something. Oh, right? no, 100%. You know, 100%, so, uh, yeah. and, and so you're saying, well, okay, so Oklahoma's like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't need it, whatever. You know, it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm Oklahoma State, I might be a little bit petty, too. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I'm not, uh, but being the initiator that Oklahoma was, I still think that they are a little bit more at fault at, in, in terms of, you know, this game not being played anymore, this being the last uh, bedlam that we maybe see for a very, very long time, uh, you know, will be an interesting one. Dylan Gabriel still really good quarterback, thrown for over 2,000 yards already, 19 touchdowns, four picks. So having, having a pretty solid season, he's kind of like a, a – like, you know, when you're talking Heisman, if you're talking a top 10, he's in like the bottom five to 10 in terms of Heisman talk. Um, having just a good season, a very, very good season. Um, I did, I do think, man, it's, it's in Stillwater though. That's interesting. Uh, uh, I still think Oklahoma is going to win, but I do think it's going to be a close game. Maybe like a one to two, maybe three point game. I think Oklahoma state might play a little bit angry in all honesty, and they're going to be at home. So that fan, that, that, that crowd's going to be rambunctious. Uh, it, I, I really think that it's going to be a, a lot of energy because this is the last one. And honestly, I, again, it, Oklahoma State's probably going to be trying harder than they have tried in any other game to get this win. I know it's a rivalry, but now it's like the last one too, and so you're playing it at home. And so I can just feel it like you're saying, you know, like, like let's get this last one, and then we can say that we won the last one, and then we can still hold that at least and say we won the last bedlam. Like, you, you know – and then you left. So yeah. how does that make you look? Yeah. No, um, they won't want it bad for sure. Right. So uh, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a really, really close game. I do think ultimately Oklahoma's going to get the win. Um, but I, I, th- I think that I think Oklahoma State's going to cover. Um, the, the line is minus six. I think Oklahoma State's going to cover. I think it'll be like a, a field goal game, maybe one, two points, like real close. Yeah, I'm excited about that game. Ollie Gordon, who's been Sports Call Player of the Week in the past, um, has been awesome this year for Oklahoma State. They had such a rough start to the year. They lost South Alabama and Iowa State. And, and people were like, oh, maybe it's thought, time for Gundy to hang yeah, it up. I was one. I was like, maybe he's just two. run his course. Yeah. I mean, I, he'd been there a long time, but uh, they've corrected things in a big hurry. 
Uh, back to that Texas Kansas State game, that is a little uneasy for Texas. It's Malik Murphy that's Malik the, Murphy. the star for now. Which oh, he's the, a monster. That dude's w- w- huge. Well, he is a monster because if you look at his headshot, it looks like he's got a huge spider dude, behind him. He's huge. Uh, but uh, you know, he <laughs> got the dreads and everything. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he had a, a solid week against a BYU team that uh, is not the best. Uh, but but still a, a, a good starting point because I mean they won decisively there I think it's thirty five to six so a different step up in competition now Texas just trying to get to that conference title game with one loss if they can do that I still feel that they will have a great shot at the playoff yeah. and I think they would definitely prefer to have Oklahoma keep winning so that they could avenge a loss against a top seven or eight Oklahoma team at the time. Uh, and, and that would help the case, too. So they'll be probably rooting for Oklahoma from that standpoint in Bedlam, although I know Texas hates Oklahoma, so maybe not still. But uh, I, I think it's a very important weekend in the Big 12. If this yeah, goes wrong huge. for the Big 12, the Big 12 could be out of the playoff. <laughs> You're right. It, you know, if it goes wrong for them because you Texas – don't need any upsets. They, they really need Texas more than anything, uh, but Oklahoma would, would still give them a shot at it. And if if Stillwater gets rocking and Oklahoma State can run their way to win there, and then if, if Texas has quarterback problems against a pretty solid Kansas State team and those go down, Big 12's out, period. And then that opens up that for the fourth Pac-12. spot. For the well, I, no, I mean, I think it. yes, if Georgia wins it all and goes undefeated, if you want to use the scenario where Alabama or somebody else Slides wins the in. SEC – then you, you open that up a little bit uh, and, and certainly open that up um, to the fourth spot. I think the Pac-12 is in a good position because of not only Washington, but Oregon still ranked ahead of Texas at number six. And yeah. Again, that's something I wanted to see coming into this week of, of playoff rankings, what they did there, because I personally think Oregon's going to end up 11-1 and one and then winning. I agree. And I think they're going to beat Washington. I agree. The second time, so I think they are better than Washington. Uh, so you know that that is significant. So it if that case happens, and yes, Georgia runs the table. You have a Big Ten team, and Florida State runs the table. And yeah, the Big Twelve is already out. But I mean, they could be out out uh, and not have any scenarios right. if both Oklahoma and Texas uh, lose this weekend. And, and I'll just say on the Washington USC game. I think there'll be a lot of points. I think you're right that I don't know if people realize Kay Williams had a couple whoops moments here the last three or four weeks. It really started with the Arizona game yeah, yeah. where he was like third. I, I don't want to get the numbers wrong, top, but top of my head, it was like 100-something pass yards entering overtime, about 50% completion percentage, something yeah, in that range. Not phenomenal. I was like, whoa. Uh, and then it, it, he had a really good overtime, made a couple huge plays. They won. But then three picks in the first half against Notre Dame, they lose. They lose again following week. And uh, to Utah, and, and I just think that that's kind of what happens when you already reached your peak and your pinnacle, and and then you're looking for how can he improve off that? Well, he it's hard to improve off of that, right? You really can't. And but but he has had a couple of weak moments this year. He's going to give him a shot, but I just don't ha- see why USC would all of a sudden then be able to confuse Penix. Uh, although, I mean, Penix did not play well. I no, think it was against Arizona couple, yeah. State. He's that, had a couple whoops games uh, as well. Right. So it's the good news is that they've been against the really bad teams, Arizona State and Stanford, and their defense is, is hung in there. They still scored against Stanford. He, he was not, right. not bad. It was just as a team it was close, but Arizona State was not good. 
So anyway, all that to say is I think that USC's defense is so bad, I don't expect the Pennix struggle to continue. Agree. Uh, and so even if Caleb Williams gets going a little bit, again, that's not necessarily the most intimidating road environment in the sport. It's a great, no. great venue, but I, I Nobody don't. cares out there in California, yeah. man. They don't. Yeah. So they just don't. I think that there's a path where Washington could win by like 17 points. I and agree. It'd be kind of rough for USC, or you just get in the shootout where still, I mean, USC just never stops them once, and Washington's like 45 to 42. Yeah. But it's Washington minus three, the over under 77 and a half. So that would be, what would that be? About 40, 37 40, yeah. Washington. 37. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it, it, there should be a lot of points in that one, period. And uh, I think that would be a fun game, fun game to watch. One or two others. I know Notre Dame goes to Clemson. That was going to be a big game in the preseason. It is not now. Notre Dame still could get in a New Year's Six Bowl. They're not going to make the playoff, but at number 15, they're still being positioned to make New Year's Six. Clemson's obviously had a heck of a time this week, or this, well, this week and this year uh, at just four and four on the season. Uh, their worst team since Dude, Dabo got there at the very beginning. The man won't utilize NIL and the portal. So yeah. he's doing it to himself. It's yeah. his own fault. If you were to use the NIL and the portal at Clemson, you'd have a goal. You would be still at the top because players would want to come and they, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a rich program and Dabo has had them winning, but now you're, you're saying you only you don't you don't even want to acknowledge that in an era that has changed. You got to either stick with the times or the times are going to kick you out. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely been a flaw of his for sure. So uh, that that could that could be an upset, or it could just be Clemson's just at, again at that at their absolute worst in 15 years or so. Uh, but it will be interesting to see Hartman go there. Notre Dame was off last week. Uh, so we'll see if any kind of upset could end up happening there. Yeah. All right, let's go to our final timeout of the show. When we come back real quickly, and that's the very end of the week, we will reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week, uh, and that will lead us into, wink, wink, hint, hint, our Auburn-Vanderbilt final predictions. <laughs> You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Getting towards the end of this Friday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here. About five or six minutes left in the show for the day and for the week. In just a second, we're going to get to our final thoughts here on Auburn and Vanderbilt as they get sent for their matchup in First Bank Stadium in Nashville. Before we do that, though, again, it's at the very end of the week, but better late than never, it's time for this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. 
Auburn quarterback Peyton Thorne is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Thorne led Auburn to a much-needed conference win on Saturday, taking down the Mississippi State Bulldogs 27-13 for their first SEC win of the year. In the game, Thorne completed 20 of his 26 passes for 230 yards and three touchdowns. The touchdowns are the most by an Auburn quarterback since 2020, and the completion percentage of 77% was the highest of Thorne's career. Peyton Thorne is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So again, we had talked about the performance against Mississippi State that Peyton Thorne had again a lot of that production in the first half even in a game where it looked like they might break through for a bigger output we talked about coming in the week what their ceilings were on offense in terms of points and yards and they hit their head on the ceiling pretty quick they did not crash through <laughs> though no, even though not. yeah even though they had an opportunity to do they that. chose not you know <laughs> they chose not to that's what's killing me about it uh-huh I, I i know that you had uh pretty strong feelings about that on wednesday i had defended it earlier in the week and i still will but when we look at the vandy game here on saturday can there can they break through the ceiling and that one get to that 30 point plus mark yeah, I mean, I don't see why you can't, right? You've dropped 27 points in a game now uh, against a, a Mississippi State defense, uh, and you're facing a Vanderbilt defense that's worse than that. So you should be able to blow past the – I won't say blow past. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But you should be able to surpass the 27-point uh, output that you that you put up against Mississippi uh, Mississippi State. Obviously, you're at home, so that's I understand that that's going to play a factor, but the play calling really didn't change that much. You were able to, outside of tempo, which is really what, what has kind of caused Auburn to be a little bit successful, you want to play into that tempo again against the Vanderbilt team uh, that, again, you, you would expect not to be able to keep up with you as much. So uh, if, if I, I yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the key, and, and I think you just need to continue to instill the confidence in Peyton Thorne. That's that's really where it is, uh, where we're at at this point in time. And you know, like you said, Ryan, I, I mean, this is really do or die for for Peyton Thorne. In, in all honesty, you know, uh, Ufri is going to be here next year, no matter what. That that's not something that's going to be in the question. But the quarterback situation, uh, whether whether you know Freeze chooses to go back into the portal. Or whether we're saying, okay, well, Walker White is going to be getting ready to start in his freshman year. Uh, but if you're Peyton Thorne, you can say, well, no, let's let's give you know White one more year because I, I can do this. I can I can be ready. I can be comfortable. I can create chemistry with my wide receivers. I can do all of these things um, and and be your guy for one more year, uh, giving giving Walker White a chance to just really you know not put all that pressure on him for for year one. So. Uh, I think you gotta get this win against Vanderbilt. I I don't know if I expect a blowout. I just I think I think I just expect like a comfortable lead, almost like this Mississippi State game. In all honesty, I, I don't. I'm not gonna say that uh, uh, Vanderbilt's gonna put up zero because I, I don't believe that they'll be at home. But I I do think that um, you know I think Auburn wins. You know I think they put up about 35 points. I think it'll I think it'll be like a 35 to 13, 35 to maybe 17 type of game uh, where Auburn wins comfortably uh, 17 points. I, you know, that's about okay for the defense. Uh, I, I could definitely see that uh, if, I mean, if the defense is holding them to less, that's absolutely phenomenal. And I think, I think if Auburn's able to stay on the field and put together good drives then they'll be able to do that. I, I mean, the defense, we already know this is a good Auburn defense, but in terms of, you know, are you going to be able to, 
stay on the field if you're the offense, that has affected the defense. We've seen it time and time again throughout the season. So I think that's going to be a key to the game. Uh, and I think, I think you know, Peyton Thorne will be able to build off the performance that he had uh, against Mississippi State last week. Yeah, I, I agree with the vast majority of that. I think that Vandy's two-quarterback system will give them a play here and there. But, again, you're, if you look for consistency in two-quarterback systems, it's hard to find that. Taylor will be a intimidating run presence at 6'7". Yeah. Uh, they will use him often, but I think to varying degrees of success. Seals, as a passer, does not put a lot of fear in there. I know there was reports last night that Swan – for Vandy has started to practice, but I still don't think he's anticipated to play uh, tomorrow. So I would still be surprised to see him out there. So I think they'll roll with those two quarterbacks. I think it'll make it hard for them to have consistency. Uh, and yeah, I would be again pretty disappointed if Auburn is not able to continue to build off of last weekend's 100%. performance against Mississippi State. Uh, I think that they will be able to have opportunities to not only produce maybe a little bit better in the running game but to, again to extend out towards that ceiling i don't know if they i really don't see a 300 passing yard game in them this year no. but i think that they can get back in the low to mid 200s there and then i also think that uh again they'll be able to achieve bounce because i think they're going to go for about 200 to 250 and on, on both the running ground game end up about 450 overall and again i like that score range that you gave about i'm gonna go about 31 14 31 17 so it is a cover maybe i think i think it's gonna feel like a game that auburn could have won by a little bit more but maybe they do make a mistake here do have a turnover there or something like that that maybe prohibits them from absolutely blowing them out but again vandy for as good as they fight in certain parts of a game they've still lost four yeah. f- five straight games and they've well, I guess seven straight games, but in Power Five play, have lost about five straight games, and they're all by three scores and or more. And so ultimately, you know, again on that two to three score range, I think again maybe seventeen, maybe thirty-one, fourteen, something like that. I think is how yeah. the Tigers are going to get it done. Real quickly, the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, you do have some NBA action tonight. That in-season tournament starts six thirty. In-season tournament. Boo. <laughs> I, I agree. No sense. Knicks and Bucks. That's six thirty on ESPN. We'll see if the Bucks play any defense. Nine o'clock. A fun one. A lot of offense. Dallas Mavericks. Denver Nuggets. Nice. Luke, huh? Nice. Oh, I thought you said bias, and I'm like, <laughs> no, that's the game? <laughs> question mark. I, I no, no, no. I nice. That, that'll be a lot of, lot of off, lot of, lot of uh, offense. But uh, uh, Mavs and Nuggets, that should have a lot of points in that one, and uh, that will be a, a really fun watch there. That's the nine o'clock game on ESPN, and then uh, you do have uh, a couple college football games: six thirty ESPN two, five and three Boston College at four and four Syracuse, and seven o'clock CBS Sports Network uh, in the Mountain West. Three and five Colorado State, five and three Wyoming. That is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nice. That will do it for the show for Freeze. this afternoon and evening. <laughs> Cam Barry, thank you for being here. I hope you have a great weekend in Atlanta, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. See you next week. Again, that will do it for the show for the day and for the week. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. Stay tuned. Coming up at 6.30, Borgard High School football in action for the final time of the regular season and on FM Talk 93.9 Smith Station. 
football will be in action against Auburn High. So stay tuned for all the high school action here on this final regular season Friday night of the year. For Brooks Childress and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. My joints aren't what they used to be. Routine exercise,